A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Today we're debating whether or not dating is harder for men, and we are starting right now with Alex and Sarah's opening statement. Thanks so much for being with us. Alex and Sarah, the floor is all yours. All right. So, um, yeah, so the question for the audience is, is dating harder for men? So I'm going to preface one by say by saying women and men face their own challenges in the dating marketplace. That's not to say that women don't have any challenges. Uh, and there's some challenges that women have that men generally don't have. However, if we're talking about who has it harder, we're trying to be objective. Men have it a lot harder. Women are generally the buyers and men are the sellers. And there's a lot of data we have that basically supports this. If we look at the, for example, dating advice community, 99% of dating advice is for men, not for women. Well, why is that? Because men are the ones struggling. If you look at the incel epidemic, right, uh, you know, something like I believe 27 percent of men uh, under the age of 30 never had sex. Right. Uh, you look at those numbers. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of male incels. When was the last time you saw a female incel? Maybe there's one somewhere on the Internet, but it's not something that's common. Women are not you know, committing suicide at record numbers because of their lack of success with dating. Then we also look at some you know, data I have, like I did a Tinder experiment where I created a profile as um, a really good looking guy and a really, really obese girl. And like we took a girl who was like 400 pounds. Right. So I'm not we weren't sugarcoating it. Uh, the male model got about 140 likes in 24 hours. The really obese girl got 500 likes in 24 hours. I decided to take this experiment further. I literally put a wig on myself. This is like kind of like a meme in my channel at this point. I put a wig on myself. I literally had my Photoshop editor cut out my mustache and did an experiment as me as a girl. The female version of me, who is not attractive at all, like it's just me with a wig, imagine me with a blonde wig, gets way more matches than I would as myself. So I think that kind of shows you that, yeah, like women are in a position of power when it comes to this. Also, we can look at like um, selectiveness, right, when it comes to Tinder swiping. So men will swipe on something. And yeah, don't quote me on these exact statistics. It was just a ballpark. But something like men will swipe right on 50% of women. Women will swipe right on 8% of men, somewhere between 8 and 12%. So you can see a massive, massive difference, right? So yes, it just happens to, and it's not like there's a conspiracy theory, like a lot of red pillars say, where women are like hoarding like their bodies or something like that, trying to like keep men in line. It's something like that. It's just simply the marketplace. Whoever in a marketplace where there's a massive demand for some product and there's very little supply, the person who has the supply is going to have the power. And it just, if we look at every single data point, it shows that women are the buyers in this dynamic. Now, that's not to say that that shouldn't be the case. I'm not saying women shouldn't be selective. If I was a woman or had a daughter, I probably would tell her to be real selective as well. It's just the reality of the matter that men are the ones who have to seduce the woman. Women doesn't have to seduce the men. Men are the ones who have to run the game. Men are the ones who have to set up the date. Men are the ones that have to make it happen, not the women. So yeah, that's like my opening statement.
Go ahead. We'll kick it to Sarah. Um, I, I won't take quite as long because Alex kind of knocked it out of the park for me of uh, a lot of reasons that I as well agree with. Um, I do believe that um, men do have it harder in the dating field. I also think that it's gotten even worse for them with considerations such as the Me Too movement and things of that nature. Men are almost afraid to approach women, afraid to talk to them, afraid to so much as, uh, you know, put their hand on their shoulder um, just because there's so many things going on and and it's, you know, one simple question can lead to further uh, issues for them. I also think that women are much more selective and have higher standards for men in, in as far as the dating market. And the reason why they have those high standards is because they specifically get more options so they can be selective. Um, I'm going to close it out right there. Sorry, can I add one really quick thing that I just remembered? Okay. Uh, this is also a really interesting experiment that was done a few years ago where they took like a couple, right? And they did an experiment in the mall where they had the guy like try to be abusive to the girl and like instantly people intervened, right? Within like seconds, people jumped in and were like, whoa, 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 right? It got like really wild. Then they flipped the experiment, the same exact couple that had the girl try to be abusive to the guy. And the guy was like basically asking people for help. You know what people were doing? They were laughing. They were saying, oh, bro, don't be a little bitch. Come on, man. She's hot. So, again, I mean, obviously, you know, to some extent that makes sense because, you know, men are a lot more physically you know, stronger. But, yeah, you can kind of see this double standard when it comes to abuse as well. Thank you for that opening with that. My dear friends, if it's your first time here at Modern Day Debate, we hope you feel welcome no matter what walk of life you are from, no matter what pill you adhere to, the red pill, the black pill, you name it, we're glad that you are here. And want to say, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. As you can see at the bottom right of your screen, it's going to be a juicy debate coming up later this month. Daniel Hakikachu is going to debate Naraya on whether or not mandatory veiling in Muslim countries for women is good or not. So you don't want to miss that controversial one. Do hit that subscribe button. And with that, we're going to kick it over to the no side. As was summarized by Alex and Sarah, I want to keep you on track, folks. We're debating whether or not dating is harder for men, not in the sense of, for example, like who could potentially run into danger on a date. We're talking about in terms of, you could put it, are women more selective such that Men oftentimes don't get a second date when they want to, and the woman's just like, nah, I'm just going to pass. So with that, we're going to kick it over to Carissa and Jackson. Thanks so much for being with us. I'll kick it over to you first, Carissa, because you've been here many a times before in debates and discussions. We'll let you get the ball rolling. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Shane. So um, I would say that generally speaking, men um, hold the key to relationships while women typically hold the key to sex. Um, <clears throat> for looking at the possibility of a second date, suggesting that this is a situation um, where both parties are potentially thinking about a relationship or at least um, officially calling the time that they go out a date. Um, I think a first date is much easier for a girl to get. Um, when it comes to second dates, I think that's where it, it does get harder. Um, I think guys do have a um, more of an issue with commitment, and women um, tend to want that commitment as opposed to um, hooking up on on average. I would say. Um, I think women also, in terms of um, more organic dating, not dating in like, ten, Tinder or online stuff. I think women 
know if they are interested or want to pursue a relationship with a guy friend or someone that they know in person, um, such that by a second date, they are pretty sure that they really like this person and they want to continue in a relationship. Um, for guys, I I know a lot of guy friends will be like, hey, you know, I think you're cute. You invite them out on on a, to a date and then they end up hooking up and then she's like, oh, I thought this was more than just a hookup. And it's just that, you know, stereotypical situation um, that so many rom-coms are based, uh, based on. Um, so I think that does kind of, that does play out in reality. Um, the rise of social media and the rise of, um, I guess, of like Tinder and Bumble, that does change things, I think, to an extent. Um, but I do think uh, most people meet people they are in relationships with um, in day-to-day life as opposed to online. So I'm not sure if that has as much bearing as um, we I would like to think, I guess. And that's all. Jackson, <laughs> you can go ahead. Okay, hi. Uh, thanks. I kind of want to first echo some of what Alex said. I do think that men and women face different challenges while dating. I think that's important to recognize. But where I disagree with them is that the challenges that men face are so great compared to the ones that women face that we can clearly say that one is greater than the other. I think that one of the best ways that we can quantify the challenges that they face is in terms of their goals. Overall, I would say that uh, the goal of most men, uh, especially people in Alex's type of community, is, okay, let's get that hookup. You know, let's we got to take them back from the bar, whereas the goal with a lot of women is oftentimes commitment. So I agree with Carissa, and I think she said a lot of what I was wanting to say, which is men, they're going for sex. So, of course, women are going to have the key to that, whereas women would like commitment. So men are almost the gatekeepers of commitment in the same way that women you would see as the gatekeepers uh, of sex. Additionally, I think that women face a lot of pressure from shame culture, and I think that we have to recognize how that could make dating more or less difficult for them. And... uh Furthermore, I think that there's a demographic difference that we have to look at. I don't think this makes a huge difference because the demographics are pretty heavily younger, but we do see that women have a much harder time uh, in the older age demographics than men do getting dates. I think that's about all I want to cover in the opening, so thank you. Juicy. We're going to jump into the open conversation. I appreciate, Jackson, that you brought up that it might depend on age. That's a really interesting point that I had never thought about. So... I'll let you guys take it where you want it, though at some point I definitely want to hear your take on could it be the case that when it comes to older women, maybe they have it harder, but I don't know. I I don't take a position. I'll let you guys discuss it, but the floor is all yours, Sarah, Alex, Jackson, and Carissa. Yeah, I just want to quickly comment on one thing that uh, Jackson said because it's a common misnomer, and it's that like most women just want casual sex. Going off my audience, which you would be expect to be like heavily biased towards casual sex, it's still well under 50% of my audience that just wants casual sex. Uh, I've done, you know, hundreds and hundreds of coaching calls. And the first thing I do when I do a coaching call, I ask my client what their goals are. And I'm like, hey, whatever it is, be honest. 
70 to 80 percent of them don't want just casual sex they want something more serious it's a small percentage of men and then again my audience is going to be very biased so if we do the average guy i think that's just a misnomer that like every guy is just looking for casual sex um that's the first thing uh the second thing is i think there might be one thing we all agree on but i want to quickly clarify do we all agree that it's easier for women to get laid just when it comes to sex yeah yeah i'd say so okay so then we have to agree that for women whose goal is casual sex, it is then easier than men. So for a percentage of women, it is going to be easier in dating marketplace than men, the ones that just want casual sex. Is that correct? Well, I wouldn't talk, call hookups dating, though. I would say dating is more of an intentional relationship. And I feel like your community might be, there might be a little bit of selective bias there, especially if people are paying to, to have you coach them. Um, they're more likely to have an investment in, in wanting a relationship as opposed to just like a hookup. Yeah, I mean, are you saying? Huh? Sorry, I, I wanted to clarify what Carissa was saying. Are you saying like a hookup after like you just met at a bar? Let's go back to your place, kind of thing, or we just swiped on Tinder, we met, we or we you know talked for five minutes and then you're coming over later. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm just saying that dating the way I, at least I'm thinking of it isn't the world of hooking up as much as it is the world of people kind of being in relationships and, you know, figuring out more about each other. Well, I think you're sort of projecting yeah, I just, ideals on the overall picture. There's was, many different kinds of dating. There's casual dating where it's just like, you know, you just have sex, blah, blah. There's like semi-serious dating where like you guys are together, but you're not really looking to move in together. Uh, and then there's like really serious dating where you're like trying to have kids and whatnot and move in together. But you can't just discount casual dating because it's like doesn't line up with what you're looking for, which is totally understandable if you're not into that. But you I can't feel- discount the massive amount of people who just want casual dating. I think I think think we need to clarify what exactly we're talking about, because the way that I would look at it is all three of those things are portions of a larger process. And a lot of what I think I would like to talk about, and I think also Carissa would agree with me, is that the difficulties in those processes come in at different places for men and women. So I would say earlier on in the process, men have a much harder time. But when it comes to commitment later on and trying to have, you know, that serious dating relationship the difficulties really start mounting for women. Yeah. I think there also needs to be a distinction. People regularly say, are you just talking or are you dating? And I think culturally, can we kind of recognize the difference um, of dating is uh, being more intentional than just like hooking up, Um, especially if we're talking about getting like a second date. I mean, like, literally. but I think you also still have to go through, um, like, the efforts and the work to get that person to agree to hooking up too, right? Yeah. So you still have to throw that swipe out there, or you know, yeah. you have to approach somebody in the bar. So it and and I think you could still apply that to this discussion because it still is, you know, like the guy has to approach and say something, and she has to either be agreeable or not. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it would still be applicable. Yeah, like literally on Bumble, there's like, it says, what kind of dating are you looking for? The one of the options is casual, then it's like semi-serious and serious Mm -hmm. and then marriage. Like that's literally like, I think it's pretty well established that casual dating is still dating. I don't think that's like, that can be discounted. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are, and it's quite often, sometimes things start off casual and then become serious. Like me and my girlfriend start off casual, both of us just wanted casual sex and then it became serious, right? So I, I don't think it's fair to discount casual dating as like not being dating 
Um, I, I mean, it, it, it seems like just a difference of, of semantics, I guess, um, to me. Um, it just, I feel like there's a lot of, um, of guarding with terms, especially when you're dealing with someone with like two people and the guy being like, no, we're not dating. We're not dating. And that's, there is like a very stark difference there, but I understand that like from a broader societal difference, it could be lumped in together with that type of culture that could lead into like a long-term commitment. And Let's just yeah. for the sake of argument, lump it, lump, lump any sort of romantic like anticipation of and meeting with the other let's even when it's kind of like ambiguous even so where it's like mm -hmm. kind of like where they're like uh yeah i guess this is a date like let's lump <laughs> all of it in together okay. what are you guys thoughts if we yeah, do that so i think like in the, i think that's a good idea and i think in that case um the the fact that you know we have all agreed that it's for women it's easier to get sex so then part of that category, whatever it is, 10, 20, 30% of women were just looking for casual sex for them. It is easier than men. So then uh, we're debating about a, you know, a percentage of women, probably the majority, like 60, 70% who don't want just casual, but by default, mm -hmm. we then agree that for some percentage of women who want casual sex it is actually easier than men. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure. I, I think that though the, the statistics probably reflect that more people are looking for long-term relationships than casual sex. So I think even if we're able to come to a conclusion that, which I would agree, uh, women have an easier time getting casual sex than men do, I don't think that that leads us to a, you know, a total conclusion on the whole thing. Especially no, no, it considering, doesn't. Yes. Yeah, okay. No, no, yeah, I'm just talking about a percentage. I, I agree with you that mm -hmm. it's probably the majority of uh, women who are looking for a relationship. Okay, so would you, you guys obviously would all agree that um, it's a lot easier for women to get a date than men, or would you disagree with that? A first date, yeah. Yeah, first date for sure. Like, by what factor do you think is it? Like twice as easy? Like, <laughs> just, just, uh, just give me like a ballpark. I'm not going to hold you to like the exact percentage or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't would know. Say like ten times as easy. Yeah, okay. I would have to agree. Like ten times as easy. Like it's drastically easier for to get a first date as a woman. Yeah, although I think I think you guys are yeah, I think you're not too far off. Maybe it's ten, maybe it's fifteen, but something around that. Like if we go off again, the uh, Bumble experiment, I constantly or Tinder experiment, I constantly obsess about where the obese girl had a five times easier uh, success rate than the male model, right? And then you know if we compare, I've done these experiments with really attractive girls, and they got like they did like twenty times better than the male model. And also, I decided to follow it up, and I saw like how interested are the people they're matching with the meeting. And for the for even for the obese girl there was a lot of guys and like you know it's, a lot of people just say oh they're probably losers but they didn't look like losers they were totally normal guys some of them actually really really good looking way better looking than me who were down to like meet up with her and hang out with her that night right so if it is easier for so like it all starts with getting a date right you can't start dating someone get in a relationship unless you get a date if it is 10 times easier for a woman to get a date then the logic follows that at least partially dating should be easier for women I think that I want to raise some questions about your experiment. Uh, it does definitely shine uh, light on, you know, whether or not men or women have a, an easier time getting that first swipe. But I think that an important follow through is missing. Like we know that these people are willing to say that they're going to go do this thing, but how many of them are really going to go do it? We all know that guys can often be like all, all talk. So. Um, yeah, I would say that of course, well, first of all, if we look at flaking, uh, women are way more flaky than men. 
uh, for I've talked to a lot of my female friends and they say that for them, the flake rate might be like 30, 40 percent. I don't know, Sarah, what, what is the flake rate for you? You make plans with a guy. What percentage of the time does he flake? Um, I'd say out of like the last 10 dates I've had, I think two of them flaked on me. Okay, so somewhere between 20 and 40%, but it's less than 50%. Uh, for men, it's mm -hmm. like 80, 90%. So I make plans with 10 girls, one or two of them will show up, right? And that is like pretty common. And again, a lot of that has to do with, it doesn't mean that women are like whatever evil or like inherently like worst human beings. It just has to do with that women have a lot more options. So therefore, if she flakes on me, it doesn't really affect her because there's 20 other guys who want to meet up with her. Versus if I flake on a girl, that might be like the only girl I can meet up with for a week. It's just simple economics. So yeah, sure, maybe a few of those guys would have flaked, but it's going to be less than 50%. And if there's 10 guys who are trying to meet up with a beast girl that, you know, even half of them were to flake, that's still five guys who want to hang out with her that night. So I, we can't just dismiss, especially given the fact that women flake more than men, that all of those were just all tall guys. It's only a percentage of them. But then again, I think if we're talking about swiping, that is specifically talking about hooking up as opposed to um, a more long-term organic relationship, which I think again, more women are looking for. So I, I think everyone can see to the fact that it's easier for women to get a swipe. But if we're zooming out a little bit and we're looking at um, not just the online culture and, and looking at like real life as well, um, how people meet up in workplaces. Um, and then after second dates, even if they do meet up online or after first dates how what is like the rate of them going out again and who kind of is the gatekeeper for that i think you're going to see it level out extremely much or go into the men's favor i think it will well, level can i can, oh, sorry. sorry can i can i ask you a question because you were saying how you know women are the gatekeepers of sex. So let's assume they go out on the first date and she does not have sex with him. Well, men, as we kind of all said, that like kind of lead with wanting sex. So if they go out on date number one and and she doesn't put out per se, mm -hmm. um, wouldn't her chances of getting a second date be more likely because he's still going for what he wants at the end of the day? He hasn't received it. He hasn't accomplished it. Like, wouldn't he want to go back and try again? So I think that still falls into the casual stuff. I think what I'm how I'm viewing this is like intentionality, right? You have one phase where it's just hooking up and there's not a long-term intentionality. And then you have one group where there is intentionality. And I think if you're entering into the more long-term dating situation, um, there's going to be differences there i would expect for that specific situation that he would continue to try to hang out and not you know put a name on it and just not try to you know be romantic but still you know put the girl in a situation in which she may want to sleep with him yeah i also just want to comment i don't i don't think it's fair to dismiss all those tinder matches this uh you know, hypothetical beast girl guy as just being hookup focused um i just quickly fact check myself and uh it says that 80% of people on Tinder are looking for relationships. Uh, so it's, it's again, it's a misnomer that like all the guys on Tinder just want to fuck. Uh, the, you know, the official data doesn't support that. And my personal experiences of talking to my clients don't support that. Uh, it's most, I would actually, most of the guys I've on Tinder, like about that, like they, 
like most of them, like well over 60, 70% don't want just casual sex. They want something more serious. And the official data supports that. So we can't just dismiss those guys as just being like fuck boys who just want to have sex with her. I'll kick it over so to you, Carissa. Did you say, uh, sorry, I hate to interrupt. I just didn't hear. Was it 80%? And Carissa, I want to give you a chance to respond. Which percent? Yeah, 80% according to Tinder. I mean, they, they might they might like skew their answers, but it's not going to be that far off. Okay. 50, 60. Anyway, it's going to be more than 50% of men. Pardon me, Carissa. Go ahead. So um, uh, I'm trying to regain my track. <laughs> okay. So when you were talking about the um, abuse woman and kind of translating those statistics from the 80% of all people on Tinder to 80% of the, the person or the abuse woman matches with, um, I don't think that follows, right? Um, it could very, very well be, as we see with other demographics, that there may be like fetishes involved and hookup fetishes where the guy would be embarrassed to have her around his friends, but he has, you know, a, a fetish surrounding obese women. Um, so I don't think that that follows that she would still have an easier time to get in a relationship whatsoever, just based on that overarching statistic. Sure, sure. So I will like totally grant you that there is a possibility that some of the guys are just having a fetish, but I'll, I'll fully grant you. And that number could be under 80%. It could be 70% or 60%. The point is, it's still going to be a significant percentage of men. The girl had 500 matches in 24 hours. If just, if we're trying to be like as as like uncharitable as possible. And we say that only 10% of men who she matched with want a relationship. I think the number is way higher. That's still 50 guys. They're interested in having a relationship with her in 24 hours. That is still way more relationships. That is still 49 more relationships than she can handle. Compare that to the average guy who has like one Tinder match a week. Right? So I think that again, if we know for are going to be like really uncharitable, it's still going to be, uh, there's a whole bunch of guys who are interested in having a relationship with her a whole bunch, way more than she can handle. But there, okay, so the, um, that's also just the metric of swiping. If you're going to go further into the, met the metrics of messaging and setting something up and all of those things, you're going to see that decrease substantially because I think, as I think you, as you would agree, a lot of guys do swipe right. So she, on most girls that they are seeing, so she may be someone that they, you know, match with. But they're talking to someone else and she's just kind of like a plan B, right? So there's a lot of just because there's a swipe, right, doesn't mean that, you know, all five dates would show up or even four dates or even one date would show up if, if she tried to meet them because they might not message back. There's a ton of things that could go wrong there, um, even to the point of not wanting to, you know, meet in public because they're embarrassed right so let's, there's so many things there let's be as let's be as like uncharitable as possible so let's just assume that only 10 percent of men that that obese girl swiped with is interested in a relationship and let's assume that only 10 percent of those men is actually going to meet up with her right we're just mm -hmm. going to be like as extreme as we possibly can even though we all know the numbers are going to be higher than that that still has that means five dates every 24 hours that she can get and let's say half those guys flake Let's say 70% of those guys flakes. That's still one to two dates a day per app. If she's on different apps, that's going to be two or three dates per day per app. 
So yeah, I think she could have more for sure. But it's, I don't think you can just dismiss it as like all those guys who's going to have sex with her. There's a lot of really abuse girls who are in relationships, right? So it's clearly a lot of guys who are willing to date overweight girls. Like, so I don't think you could, even with this experiment, you can dismiss it and be like, oh, all those guys just want to fuck her. Like a, yeah. a percentage of those guys would be down to be in a relationship with her. That's just is what it is. If we're just I agree. numbers, like if, even if the odds are small, that's still because the volume is so high for her, that's still dozens and dozens of dudes who want to be in a relationship with her. I think we're less trying to dismiss those statistics entirely and more talk about how they may not be representative of the longer term trend that we're trying to get at. I don't think anybody disagrees that women are going to have an easier time securing the first day. I mean, we've established we all think pretty much the same thing on that. But I think that the problem is when we talk about swipes and first dates and your Bumble experiment, it gives us a really narrow view of the long term relationship and who has it easier in the long term. Tinder has some newer features. I I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. They have a tree uh, where at the top it'll show how many times you swiped. And then as you go down, it shows like how many times you had casual sex or relationship, all this stuff. And I think that as we continue to get more data about this, we'll be able to make better long term assumptions. But right now, with just the swipe statistics, we're really only able to make assumptions about, you know, the first date or two of a relationship, which I would argue is not where Carissa and I are saying most of the issues arise for women. But it starts with the first date. So if the guy can't get a first date, I don't care how much leverage she has when it comes to the relationship, he's not going to be able to get into a relationship. And that is just the sad reality for a lot of men. They're not even able to get that first date. So it's like, I've had female coaching. I've had female clients, right? And, uh, you know, some of them like pretty attractive. And it's always, I'm like, what are you struggling with? Uh, like they show me their Tinder, they have like 10,000 matches in the queue. And it usually comes down to the same thing. I don't know. I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm having a hard time like screening out for the right guy. And then as, as soon as I show them how to screen, like how to basically communicate what they're looking for in a more direct, succinct manner and how to screen out guys who don't want that, their dating problems are usually largely fixed, right? For men, it's not that easy. Uh, for men, it's not that we have too many options and we just don't, we're just overwhelmed. We don't know how to screen. The issue for a lot of men is that we don't have any options to begin with. So again, you can't get into a relationship if you can't get a first date. You can't get a first date if you can't get a phone number, right? It all starts with that. So it's, you, it's just like, if the guy can't get a, any matches or any whatever the first date then the dating process is over for him he can't proceed any further but would you see how maybe the filtering process applied at the start of the dating uh could be a lot easier to observe the effect of than filtering at you know later on in the relationship it's possible that we see like similar levels of difficulty but it's much easier to observe the effects because everyone's being filtered out at once they don't feel like they're making any ground at first Men are also Sorry. typically more outspoken, so I feel like we could also. Oh, I'm a little lost. Can you rephrase that? Sorry, I just missed the point. Yeah, no, my bad. Um, so what I'm saying is, I think that it would be a lot easier to observe the effects of the difficulty towards the beginning of dating because we see all these people that aren't even getting first dates. Right. Whereas later on in the dating process, there's not going to be nearly as much, you know, noticeable effect of the filtering. One additional thing I want to add on to that, I completely agree with that. Men tend to filter people more by looks. Um, that's like where their primary filter tends to be, where women tend to filter men by like their character. So while men is going to um it's going to be like right away, like yes, no, women are gonna they're going to have a harder time to be like, I don't know which guys I, you know, want to match with because all I can see is their pictures and a very small bio. 
Um, <clears throat> so, and that's where I'm saying in the real world, not online, when you have more day-to-day -day interactions, you're going to see a completely different trend where women, if they say yes to a guy to going out on a date, um, she is going to most likely not you know, go back on that and she's going to continue to go out on days with him because she already knows him to the extent that she knows that there's going to be a match there and um, she feels comfortable with him. I don't think there's any ounce of data to support the fact that uh, men become flakier in the dating process. Uh, so I think that's a uh, speculation and one I would disagree with. But even like, let me try to rephrase my uh, what the argument I'm trying to make. Maybe this will like resonate more. So I personally believe that when it comes to like when you've gotten sex out of the way, you're like hanging out. And then it comes to like getting into a relationship like two, three months in the process. That's probably equal difficulty for men and women at that point. Uh, I think it really comes down to not who's men and who's a woman, but who uh, who has the leverage and who is less needy. So the person who is less needy, who cares less, typically has the advantage, right? Uh, so yeah, that will just fluctuate. Some relationships, it's the man who really wants a relationship. And believe me, those I coach those guys all the time. In some situations, the woman who really wants the relationship. In some situations, like with me and my girlfriend, is like about 50-50. Neither one of us really pushed for it. We both kind of wanted it, right? So I think that one is close to like, it's, it's a draw. However... In order to get to that point where you're two, three months in, you have to secure the first date. And in order to secure, when it comes to securing the first date, the woman has a massive, massive, humongous advantage. And because of that, that trickles down. So even if it's even later on, because for the woman, it's a lot easier to get into the early stages and she go through way more guys, that's going to give her a massive, massive advantage when it comes to her ability to get a relationship. And again, you know, the biggest thing that supports that is the insult epidemic, right? How many female insults do we see? None. We see a massive amount of male insults. There's a reason for that. The data in regards to that actually suggests that that is because of um, economics, where uh, the housing market and rent prices are so high that men tend to stay living with their parents. And, um, and also, those people specifically tend to have higher standards when it comes to when they would want to have sex with someone because they um there's a there's actually a whole study on it i can send it to you if you would like um but they did control for the variables and they found that um while there is a rise in incel culture it is definitely um primarily driven through um, the economics and those things, as opposed to women. Oh God, I could I could not disagree with that more. I've I've met all kinds of insults. Some of them are extremely financially successful. They have way more money than all of us in this panel combined, and they're still virgins and insults. So I've I've never seen one ounce of data to see the fact that there's a link between poverty and someone's uh, insult. I see really really broke guys who are crushing it with girls, and really really rich guys who can't even get like a kiss on the cheek. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's I don't want to sidetrack the debate, but I think the real reason for the insult epidemic is a combination of one, the fact that men no longer are masculine and they don't really have any positive role models. They don't really know what to do. There's a lot of uh, bad information out there. Women are becoming more selective during to the options they have. Um, a lot of guys are becoming antisocial due to social media and Instagram and TikTok. That would probably be the biggest one. I don't think it's a poverty thing because then that would suggest that anytime in like u.s history when we've had like a recession or depression there was like a massive increase in insultum and like that's not really the case i think there might be a loose correlation with economics but that's not the primary driver of insultum well back um in previous times of history you still had they were still getting married at a very young age 
And so since the marriage rate um, or the age of marriage has increased, um, that's where we're seeing more versions, male versions. Okay, um, let me, let, let, sorry, are you done? Mm-hmm. Let, let, me, let me ask a different question then, since we're in disagreement about the insult thing. Why is 99.9% of dating advice on the internet for men, not for women? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think probably actually, women. I, I actually have a good answer there. I think okay. I have a good answer. Men do not open up about their feelings to other men. And that's why. So they have to get their advice from online where women will go to their friends and be like, this is what's happening. How do I solve it? Yeah, I would agree. I think that's largely a result of how men and women have uh, kind of socially developed to handle their emotions. I wouldn't argue that that's something that's enforced, but I would argue that's something that is definitely like in place today. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also to like back that up too, um, like the dating advice for men is typically how to approach, how to get her attention, how to get a date, how to talk to her. Whereas Mm -hmm. dating advice for women that I found online was more like how to hold back, how to like keep him coming back, how to like withhold or, or, um, you know, kind of, um, I mean, does that not yeah, does that not reflect? Yeah, hold back. So, yeah, that's sorry, what we're saying. That, that's, that's, yeah, doesn't that reflect <laughs> that like the problems that men are facing is that earlier part in the relationship, and the problem that women are having is keeping the guy committed? Like, it seems to me that that's actually supporting pretty much exactly what we're saying. Well, here. we're not. We're no, not I feel like hard. guys don't know how to talk to girls. If you don't know how to talk to a girl, how are you going to get date number one? And if you can barely get date number one, how do you expect to even get a second one? You know, if you're if you're struggling to talk to her to begin with then you know when you do finally get a date how do you <laughs> like how do you even approach getting a second date you know he's too shy to ask for number two or 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 doesn't know like should i kiss her tonight or should i not or should i do this or should i do that whereas women are much more socially um adaptive and we're we're capable of talking we're capable of communicating our feelings and our things like that so if we want a second date we're probably going to be a little more like hey i'd, I'd love to do this again sometime and the guy just kind of, you know, doesn't know what to do. Yeah, well, we're not in disagreement about the fact that for women, typically the issues arise later on. But we're, we're debating about the the significance, the the strength of the issues for who overall, if we look at it holistically, for who it is harder, right? And my argument that is holistically a lot harder for men uh, if we're looking at it like as an overall thing. But I think going back to the wise 99% of dating advice for men, I think it is, uh, no offense, a massive cop-out to say, oh, it's toxic masculinity. It's because men don't talk about their feelings. That could play a little bit of a role. But I think the simplest answer is because men struggle a lot, lot more uh, when it comes to, you know, dating. That's why there's way more dating advice for men right, than there is for women. Yeah. Of course, there's I don't think that's the whole reason. I would agree with Sarah that I think when you're going up and approaching someone, you can basically just have one or, you know, a few people telling you this is how you do it because there's not that nuance there. But when you're getting further into the relationship, you have many more variables, many more factors going in. And so, you know, broader advice is not going to be as applicable to women. I think going off of that, uh, I would say that something that would kind of explain why there's so much dating advice on the internet for men, but not for women is there's a lot of psychological factors that are more geared towards talking about on the internet that would help men than there are women. When we talk about the main psychological driver for attraction in men, 
it's something that's immutable in women, typically youth or physical, uh, you know, physical looks, traditional good looks. Women typically are looking for power, affluence. This is just like psychology. And so when we see which one's more effective or which one's more receptive to advice, it's clear that advice teaching you how to be more powerful or come off as more influential is going to be a lot more successful than advice teaching you how to look better. Well, no, I think for that's kind of, again, a little bit of a misnomer. Women can do a lot of things to improve their dating life besides just looking better. Uh, for women, typically, is they're over, they, it's either one, they don't know where to look, or two, they're overwhelmed by their options. They don't know how to screen. So the best thing a girl can do is learn how to screen, learn how to look in the right places, and learn how to communicate what she wants and be upfront about that. And that is something that a lot of women struggle with. I think a lot of women struggle with clearly communicating their needs and their wants, right? So yeah, no, there's definitely mass amounts of things that women can do. The reason that, again, the vast majority of dating advice for men is because when you ask the average woman, like, hey, do you need, you know, are you struggling with dating? The girl's going to be like, no, I mean, whatever. I got this guy who I'm talking to and this guy, blah, blah, blah. Talk to the average guy who's struggling with dating. It's like, yeah, man, I haven't gotten laid in like a year. So that's what it comes down to. It's like, even in like the early, like the early stages of the process, is crucial for the whole to be thing to success. So once I once again, if you can't get the date, then everything else is not going to happen. It's like a dominoes or whatever. It's like a building, and it's all built on that. That's the foundation is getting a date. So for a lot of guys, they can't even get there. So for them, there's nothing that happens after that. Versus for women, all of them can get there, and some of them struggle in the later stages of the process, which is radically different than the guys who literally can't don't even have a foundation they can build on. So I would say that. I think when James reached out, he um, he said, you know, is it harder for men or women to get a second date? And so I think that automatically kind of looks at, you know, when you're dating. <clears throat> and I think we need to focus more on that. I think everyone agrees, right? The first date is easier for um, a woman to get. Everyone agrees with that. I think the question is, um, I think a lot of women are struggling with feeling used and feeling like, oh, he just wanted me for sex um, and getting that second date and getting a call back rather than being ghosted. And then like 10 months later, hey, are you up? Right. You get that text. That's going to be a very different issue um, for women. And I don't I'm not sure where you're getting that it's any you know, less of an issue than it is for guys. It's a different type of issue. Um, but that is also very solid in the, you know, is it easier for women to be able to get a second date, right? Well, the point I've been trying to communicate is that if you don't get the first date, there's no second date. So <laughs> even though, even if we're talking about just second dates, for, for the big percentage of guys who can't even get the first date, there's zero chance of a second date, right? Which is better than like a 50% chance that a girl has that she can get a second date. So just, again, we can't ignore the foundation because that is what determines whether the guy or the girl- No one's ignoring it. Right. I, I think it's just more complicated than that though, because like we can acknowledge the foundation, but we also have to look at, okay, what are the proportionate goals of the two groups and who's having better success at those two goals? I think that the best way that we could evaluate this is look at- What's the proportion of men that are just in it for sex? What's the proportion of women that are just in it for sex? Look at their success rate at meeting that goal and then flip it and say, what's the success rate of men and women, uh, you know, respectively, when they're trying to get into a long term relationship and how successful are they in meeting that goal? And if we could evaluate those two statistics, I think we'd have a really solid ground to go off of 
whether or not one is like significantly more difficult than the other. Before we do that, I, I am curious. It sounds like everybody agrees. First date, yep, easier for women. What is, what's the shift that occurs that the second date now makes it such that it's either equally difficult for men and women or perhaps even more difficult for women? It, it would, or would everybody say, like, also the second date is more difficult for men? And, and by that, I mean, like, to get a second date. I think that kind of gets in the weeds because uh, you you end up in this gray area between a long-term commitment and a casual hookup where it gets hard to... I don't even you know, know what your out. answer is, though. Like, like I know there are all these different potential motives you have for the second date, but on average, like, lumping them all together, so, like, do a weighted average if you want, like, just lumping them all together, regardless of what people's motives are, like, would everybody say that the second date is harder for men or maybe equally hard for men and women because there's a shift that starts happening or maybe even harder for women? I would say on a weighted average, it's probably equally as hard because I think you're going to get women who who really want to have more of like regular dates and starting to maybe get into the commitment territory. Um, and then you're going to have men and there, you know, men could potentially be okay with that. But then on the other side of things, you're going to have men who really do not want to be strapped down and they don't want to make a commitment or anything, you know, they want to kind of keep that all at arm's length and they just went, um, they want the option to have like a booty call. Right. So I think you're going to have more of a weighted average there, but I think generally speaking, um, it's really only interesting if you're able to break it down a little bit, if you're able to say, you know, for the casual relationships, just generally, I think um, women have it easier if that's what they're looking for. And for the more serious relationships, um, uh, guys have it easier if they want to to get into a long-term relationship. If they've gone on that first date, then they're going to have an easier time getting that commitment. So are you saying, sorry, just let me clarify. So you're saying that when it comes to the second date, there's about an equal chance between men and women? <clears throat> so I, I think if we're looking at casual dates as well, I think potentially because you're like, if if you're looking at like a casual hookup, if there's vagueness there, I think it's an equal chance. If you're looking at a more serious date, I think that's when things are going to change. Okay, so if if going off that, so if it's uh, just assuming what you're saying is true, and it's like okay. uh, there's the, uh, when it comes to the second date, both men and women have uh, the same odds. Uh, if we factor the fact that for uh, for men it's a million times harder to get the first date, then by default that would make it that men have it harder, right? So you would what you would need to show is the fact that uh, women have a way harder time getting the second date than men to counterbalance the fact that men have a way harder time getting the first date. But you're well, saying it's equal, so then by default, it's, ahead, easier, it's easier for a woman. Uh, not necessarily, though, because it doesn't end there, right? We have to factor in the difficulty of later and later stages of dating. To answer James' question, I think I would go mostly with Carissa on this. I would say that it's roughly equal. Uh, men may have it slightly easier on the second date, I would say. But I also, you know, the data on this is not super clear. I would also say that after the second date, we see a progressively getting more difficult for women and progressively easier for men in terms of who has the power over 
whether or not the relationship continues to progress. Do you have like any data to support that? Um, well, just, like, okay. All, like anecdotal. I, I would say that there's a lot of psychological and social factors that go into supporting it. There hasn't been a ton of studies because it's difficult to study something like this long term. But mm -hmm. I think that as we continue to study it, we'll see more and more data come out about it. Mm -hmm. 100%. Uh, okay, so there are so basically you're just you don't have any data to support that. Okay, which is fine. Anecdotal evidence isn't always like BS, but um there is a lot of interesting data when it comes to dating. Uh, you know, in terms of the uh like we know exactly what percentage of men uh swipe right versus women we know like there's a lot of we know what percentage of men are not having sex what percentage of women are not having so and so we do have some data um but i would disagree with your idea that like the process just like harder and harder for women later on as the dating process goes i think it's not a gender thing i think it comes down to once you get your foot in the door once you get like past sex i do think it balances out but i don't think it gets harder for women I think it gets harder for the person who's more needy in that situation. And sometimes that is the man, sometimes that is the woman. I've seen that play out in so many different ways. But doesn't necessarily mean that once you have sex, the man has the leverage. Because at the end of the day, the man knows that for the girl, like I know my girlfriend can have sex with 20 dudes in the next 24 hours if she wanted to. I certainly cannot have sex with 20 girls in the next 24 hours unless I pay massive amounts of money, right? Uh, she gets hit on every single day, 10 times a day. I get hit on pretty much never, right? So it's like subconsciously both of us know who is going to have it easier if the relationship ends. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't say that like I have this like massive leverage over her now that we've had sex or when we were getting, you know, well, at least before we started dating, but after we had sex. I don't think there's any data support that the man like just gets like this massive leverage. I think it balances well, out, but it's not going to be heavily in the man's favor. I think especially socially, you're ex the man is expected to propose, right? So if the end goal is marriage, then you're going to have like, you know, you have even classes for women to be like to go to and like and the common, I guess, factor there is like, how do I get him to propose, right? There's that narrative of, oh, he finally popped the question. Um, and it's like trying to get the guy to like fully commit. And that's, I think, the leverage that Jackson's talking about is as the relationship is progressing, the commitment tends to grow and guys have much more control over like the long-term commitment of marriage and, you know, proposing and all of that. Um, yeah, so the, um, so that the, when it comes to like proposing, yeah, that's typically done by the men, but when it comes to everything else, like we're talking about like getting into a relationship quite often, women's are the women are the ones that push for the relationship. Uh, that's not like unheard of, nor is it like even stigmatized for a woman to want a relationship. That's kind of something that it's almost like a meme. It's like, oh, she's trying to date, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't think again, with the exception of marriage, which is at the very end of the process, and typically with marriage, it's not like the dude just like fucking does it out of nowhere. Typically, it's like, you know, it's like more or less agreed upon. Like you guys have been living together. You guys are feeling it. You guys have talked about taking things to the next level. The guy just does the proposal as a surprise. But it's not like the guy just like with like without having any foundation built is like, well, you married me. And the girl has to say yes. Like that typically is not how it works out. Well, yeah, I think that kind of supports what we're saying is that if you're the women tend to be pushing for the more commitment along the entire relationship and it's kind of the guys who are able to be like hey yeah 
we can maybe move in together, but I'm not sure if I'm ready or they tend to be dragging their feet a little bit more. So I never actually said that. I never said that uh, women are the ones who are pushing for a relationship. My argument has been consistently that it varies based on the relationship. Uh, the, the, the argument I was making was that it's, it's not like I was trying to counter or whatever, counter what you were saying, that the man has this like uh, leverage because he's the one that's going to propose to the girl. And the point I was making is like, no, quite often women will ask for the relationship. Quite often men will ask for the relationship. Again, my speculation is that it's probably like 50-50. It really depends on the, call, uh, on the couple who's going to be pushing for more. Who's ever pushing who for supplies? Who supplies the commitment, the man or the woman? Both do. But who who puts the option of, out on the table? Well, they they both do. No, but who's the one that asks? Hey, do you want to? You know, are you want to get serious with this? So typically, well, the the man or the, the woman. Man. Well, no, it, it really varies. Like sometimes it's the woman, sometimes it's the man. I don't okay. know if there's like any data. My personal data certainly doesn't confirm this. That like either men or women are doing that the majority of the time. It really varies. It really varies on the person, the individual, and their dynamic. I think you'd find both anecdotally, or like for me, both anecdotally. And I think you'd find in the data that like drastically more men are the ones that are going to have to ask that question than women. And I think, as you said, it's a supply demand thing. The supply has to do with men and um, kind of giving the commitment. And the demand has to do with women and wanting the commitment. And if there's one man and one woman and there's high demand and limited supply, right? He's the one but, who has the power. That's well, literally well, like even exactly if, what you said. Well, but that's counter. Even if the guy it, is asking the question, even if the guy is asking the question, then that puts the power back in the female to say yes or no, though. Like mm-hmm. she's still the gatekeeper at the end of the day. If if that is the case, then and that would be just the same as, hey, do you want to go on a second date? Like if he has to ask her, she still has the ability to say yes or no. Right. Like he's and, putting it out there first. And I think, think there. Do you think that generally, though, uh, when a woman is, you know, sticking around and the man is waiting to ask this question, do you think she's sticking around so she can say no? Or do you think she would have already left if she was going to say no? I think that I think that in some scenarios she is sticking around and she's going to say, no, you know, I want to stay more casual. But generally, much more generally. You know, women are going to be sticking around because they want it to continue. They want the opportunity to say yes. And then I'm yeah. sure if you look right, at would... data, the number of uh, proposals that are rejected, that are actual serious proposals, not an Instagram DM saying, can I have, I can give you 100 candles if you marry me. Um, those proposals are very vastly accepted. For that exact reason. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would assume if two people are together that that long, you know, like you would, it would be mutually agreeable that they want to be together. I, I would, that's a safe assumption, you know. Right, and yet, and yet the, the man has to take the last step, right? Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. not necessarily, only when it comes to marriage with everything else. I think, again, that's another misnomer that the girls are sitting around waiting for the guy to make it official. But that's I've never seen that work out with any of my relationships with like every relationship I've ever been in when the girl's like ready. She talks to me about it. she's like, hey, you know, I'm starting to really like you. Uh, you know, I'm thinking we should take our relationship like I, I, if I had a dollar for every time that happens, like women are doing it. Sometimes I've done it. So I think it's just a misnomer that women are these like super passive creatures. who are just sitting around waiting that one day the guy wants to take the relationship seriously. Uh, I'm I sure don't that think happens it, once in a while, but that's not that's not the norm. I don't think anyone's saying that they're not talking about it. I think 
people are saying the decision usually comes down to the guy, right? Because the girl could be like, hey, I really like you. I'm having a lot of fun with you. What are your thoughts about going steady or, you know, being official? And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not ready. And I think you see that a lot more than you see that happening with women. The decision comes down to the person who uh, who's less invested, right? So if I'm really interested, like I'm trying to do a podcast with Sarah, I really, really want it. And she's like, she's not sure. She has all the power. But let's right. say she, re- she really wants to do the podcast and I don't, then I have all the power. Our genders don't matter. It's the same exact thing here. <laughs> I've seen countless cases of where the guy was the one that was pushing for the relationship and the girl's like, yeah, I don't know. I just want to keep things as is. And then you see too. I don't, I've never seen one ounce of data to suggest that it's basically like typically the man who's like the gatekeeper of the relationship or the man. Uh, I think that might happen if you, if we're talking about a very small subset of people, like the ultra rich and the ultra elite, you can make a pretty good argument for a lot. Like some like Elon Musk is going to be the gatekeeper of a relationship. Uh, But for the average guy, yeah, no, I just couldn't disagree with that more. I think it's uh, dependent on the couple. I think even from a red pill perspective, this makes sense because I think women have more scarcity of time when it comes to uh, being biologically reproductive than men do. So um, from like an evolutionary perspective, you would expect her to try to be pushing things more further along because there's more scarcity there and men are able to drag their feet more. So I think even from that perspective, you're going to see, and I think that I, I haven't, I wasn't able to find data on this, but I think generally speaking, if this is how it usually plays out in real life. Yeah. So just to clarify, I'm not a red pillar, by the way, but um, the, I think you can make that argument if like it's the woman's like in her mid forties, that maybe if her couple's in the mid forties, uh, you know, the woman is going to be, you know, kind of uh, pushing a little faster because she has like four or five years until menopause. But if we go like the average couple woman in her 20s, early 30s, like she's got a decade. She, she's not she's not going to be pushing the relationship faster because in 15 years, she's no longer going to be able to bear kids. I don't think it works that way. Sarah, I have a question for you. Sure. When you go to family gatherings and your aunt says, does your aunt say, oh, have you found the guy yet? Is that like a frequent well, occurrence? Well, <laughs> I, I, okay. So I've actually been married, divorced. I've had children. Okay. Um, and and I started very, very young, you know, in my early 20s when I did that. Um, I didn't feel like there was a biological clock type of thing, pressure or anything. Um, but now that I'm divorced, like... Um, I'm 35. I, you know, I'm, I'm a single mom with kids at this point, divorcee. So like my family gathering conversations are very different now. <laughs> okay. That's fair. So I, I do feel I, like, I, yeah, I can't answer that honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but also Sorry. when I, when I go to my family reunion, my uncle last family reunion, this is this August got drunk and spent two hours lecturing me about how I need to propose to my girlfriend and start having a family that I'm no spring chicken that I'm getting older that you know I need to lock it down and then he spent half an hour trying to give my girlfriend sneaky tips on how she could like get pregnant without my consent which is <laughs> like this, is, this is what we're talking about though the the concept even from your uncle that you're the one that has to be convinced and your girlfriend is the one who has to uh, coerce you into that right no it's because he, no, he, he's he, already he, ingrained in society 
Well, he was he was trying to convince both of us, but he he was operating under impression that my girlfriend is like just looking to have married and have kids. I'm the one that's dragging my feet. In reality, that's not the matter. You're the one always wants. Why do you think he thought that? Um, because he knows that I've been a player all my life. But do you, do you think-, think that that perception's generated by like a greater social norm? No, I don't. I, I think, think it's gener. I think it's generational. Maybe. I mean, I I would feel like that would be generational. Like, you know, the older, um, older age are not quite understanding, like the more casual dating in your twenties and thirties at this point. Like I, I've talked to a lot of women, you know, my age, younger and so on and so forth. And there's not a lot of them that are actually looking for relationships. More women I talk to lately, um, strangely don't want relationships. You know, they've either already been there, done that, or they're too young and want to enjoy their twenties, just being casual, not being tied down. Like, and a lot of the 20 year olds also are telling me like, I don't even want to get married or think about marriage until I'm in my thirties. So like, they just don't care. Now I I'm not saying that's, you know, a statistic or anything like that, but that's what I've been experiencing in, in discussion. And I think that, that, that old school talk of when you're going to settle down and get married and do this, I think that's a generational gap, you know, and unfortunately uh, we just aren't in that thought process anymore, you know, it is 100% a general generational gap there. And I do see us coming away from that, but I do think that um, from parents, from people um, older than us, you're still getting a lot of push for, Hey, you need to find a guy to settle down with and have kids before you turn, before you have to have a geriatric pregnancy. Right. Um, Mm-hmm. You well, still see that push, and to to think that that has no effect, I think, and maybe for your friends that might be the case, and I think that's great that they're doing what they want to do. But I think, generally speaking, in the broader society, you're going to see people respond to that, especially who are very family oriented, and you know, see their their elders as being very wise, right? Yeah. So since we don't have any like empirical data about like, you know, what uh, happens, like for who is it harder to get into a relationship, blah, blah, blah. uh, I guess we're all going to go off our anecdotes, which I think is fine. I think the one piece of data that we do have is on average, there's a lot more single men than there are women. There's a lot more women in relationship than there are men versus 50-50. So then that kind of suggests something that for whatever reason, Men are having a hard time, harder time even getting into relationships. But like, if we're going off anecdotal, like I've just had so many coaching clients who have the same story. It's like, hey, yeah, I was ready to sell down with this girl, and then she like didn't want to do it, or she wasn't ready, or she she left me, or blah blah blah. As soon as I try to make things serious, so I've just had too many of those like experiences (laughs) to still believe in this misnomer that like women are like like the men are like hoarding relationships and we're like trying to like, we're the ones, but assumingly like, let's just like, let me grant you and say on average, maybe it is a little bit harder for a woman to lock down a man than a man to lock down a woman. It would have to be substantially harder to counterbalance how much harder it is for the man to get in the first, get his foot in the door. So there would need to be like a massive, there would need to be like, it's 90% uh, whatever harder for women to lock down a guy than this forgot to lock down uh, women who have to be so substantial to counteract the massive imbalance you see with the early stages of the dating process, which again is necessary to get to the later stages. I would say there's a massive imbalance in the later stages that kind of counteracts it. The imbalance of the proposing is probably relatively proportional to the first date, especially if you're looking at something broader than just 
Tinder. And like, I think I saw only like 12% of committed relationships started on, on Tinder, right? So if you're looking at the grand scheme of things, um, I think you're going to see it even out much more. And I think the end, the further stage of proposing um, is going to balance the earlier stage of getting the first date. Okay, so, so I'm not, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Alex and Sarah, I just I had a question for both of you. So, do you think that proportionally more men or more women are looking for long term relationships versus casual sex? Um, I think it's on average, it's more men are looking for casual sex, but I don't think that gap is nearly as wide as most people make it out to me. I don't think it's a, it's a substantial gap, but there's probably definitely a gap. Yeah. On average, probably more mm-hmm. men on relationships. Than Girls women. just don't talk about it as much yeah. <laughs> or they don't admit to it as often. Okay. What about, all right. can we talk? Oh, we'll go ahead. I don't want to interrupt Jackson. Otherwise, I no, have no, to... you're all good. Is it? something that changes over the lifespan so let's say women like 50 and up at that point is it still the case (laughs) that women have it much easier than men in the sense of attracting the opposite sex or kind of keeping things going with the opposite sex any thoughts anybody does it change I, I, i do think that um it gets a little bit easier for men as they get older uh because typically uh a man will date down and date like a girl who's like, I don't know, like a 40-year-old guy who's successful might date like a 20-year-old, but you typically don't see that in reverse where like a 20-year-old, um, what's it called, guy is dating a 40-year-old girl. I mean, that happens, but it's like pretty rare. So I do think just by default, when it gets into their 40s, things start to balance out a little bit. But even given that factor, it's still it's still overwhelmingly um, easier for women, but it starts to balance out more. Yeah, men start to get a little bit more of an advantage the older they get especially if they take good care of themselves. Well, that, and they're already successful. They're stabilized. They have money. They can do more things. And, you know, whereas a 22-year-old man is not going to be quite as capable of, you know, taking a young lady to a fancy dinner, per se. So I think, you know, a 20-year-old girl being, um, you know, wide-eyed about that is more likely. To me, that kind of points out, or sorry, to me, that that kind of points out, like, what men and women are looking for in a relationship, right? We see this age difference and it magnifies the fact that women are often looking for power and affluence and money, stability, stuff like this. Whereas men are often looking for this like younger traditional beauty, all these things that are physical in nature. So I think that this kind of feeds into the idea that, you know, women are going to have an easier time with that first step. But when it gets to that later step, that stability that they're really looking for, men have not nearly as much of an emphasis on it. And I think think, that it's hard to conduct a study on it. But when you look at the psychology of individual men and women and the psychology, like the trends in psychology in men and women, it would really point you to this conclusion. Yes. And I I think think that the women, oh, I'm sorry. I don't think that the women in their 20s dating a man in their 40s has intentions of marrying him. I think, you know, if, if that does happen, I think there's either like, um, I'm just out having fun. Uh, you know, he takes me to really nice places or, or, you know, does all of these different things. I don't think it's, it's a relationship based type of dating. I think it's more of like technically casual and mutually beneficial. Um, I'd even put it in the realm of like sugar daddy status almost, you know, or even drawing that fine line between it, because I, I don't, 
like if you ask a 22 year old woman if she'd date a 45 year old man more than likely she'd be like ew no but if you have one that's like specifically just looking for the benefits of a 45 year old man like you'd have that advantage you know and she would likely say yes but i don't think it's for relationships by any also think you guys are like significantly undervaluing or underplaying even though you acknowledge it exists i think you're undervaluing to what extent it is harder uh, or how hard it is for like the average guy to get like even one date uh, like a lot of guys they can't even get they go on like one date a year they can't get anything right so if we just assume like just try to follow like the the thought process or whatever the logic train if we if we assume that like I don't know like like 20% of men want a relationship and 50% of women want a relationship I'm just being very charitable okay fine but if a woman can get two three dates a week and the guy gets like one date a year, that still is going to give the woman a way higher chance of getting into a relationship due to the fact that she has way more leads coming in the beginning of the funnel, even if later in the funnel it starts to even out. So I think you guys are really heavily underplaying to what extent the playing field is like completely uneven from the start, and all that trickles down to your overall ability to get into a relationship. So, Ooh, but, <clears throat> but if you, you know, if you're filtering out like 50% of guys right off the bat, and then uh, later on, the filtering is like 50% of women get filtered out. That's a lot less women. But the f- success rate is the same. So when you look at like the actual numbers of the people that are going to be not able to succeed, not be able to achieve their goal, whether that's long-term dating or casual sex, the numbers are going to be drastically more men failing. Pro- proportionally, you're going to have roughly the same amount of men and women failing at their goals. Um, okay. I'm not following your logic. If we, if we, yeah, do... I mean, if, if like if I went out and I got you know ten dates a month, and Alex went out and barely got two, like I've already increased my chances of getting a second date because I've got you know just like I said earlier, I had like a you know two out of ten flake rate just on the date number one. But if you know now I've now I've got eight people. And I mean, there, it's a pretty good chance that at least one of them is going to go on a second date with me. I would believe at least maybe half of them would. Um, whereas if Alex, if Alex only has two dates in that same month, like he's got a 50-50 shot <laughs> or or even like completely bombing it com- entirely and having zero girls go out for a second date. Um, so, you know, the more options you have the more likely you're going to reach that goal. So, you know, if you just get as many first dates as possible, you're significantly increasing your chances of a second date. So if a girl already has a, a better chance of getting those first dates, like, like I think it was like 500 to 100 likes, Alex, on your Tinder thing. I mean, I could get, I could probably get a date every day if I wanted to. My friend just tested this. I could get a date every day if I wanted to. And I'm pretty sure at least half of them will 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 be, you know, doing a second date next week. But if if I couldn't get those dates to begin with, like you're you're still down to zero. You're you're always going to be at zero if you're not getting any dates. Yeah, or even if a, even if a quarter of them will go on a second date, even if 20% of them will go on a second date, if she can get like a new date every single day, but she's going to have multiple guys every month who want a relationship versus for guys, let's assume like 90% of women want a relationship. Okay, fine. But if you can't get that first date, then then 90% means jack shit because 90% of zero is zero. So I think that's the big factor that is, you know, it's like the elephant in the room. So I think you're also the, have to look though at what the goal is. And I think for a lot of women, the goal may start out as like a relationship and then kind of 
go to marriage after a year or two. Um, And I think just kind of, as you said earlier, you see a lot of older men with younger women, but you don't see the reverse. I think that hires the stakes, especially as a woman is getting older. She's thinking um, he doesn't have as much invested in this relationship as I do, because if we break up, it's going to be harder for me to get that first date than it originally it would it would be. But he has the status and the money and is established enough to be able to get a woman who who may be younger or, you know, get someone else, not necessarily a younger person. So she has more at risk. And so that's, again, where he is the one who um, has the power there. Yeah, so it's a very tiny percentage of men, like older men who are dating younger hot women. That's a that's a very small percentage of men who have money, who have status. Uh, it's a very small percentage of men. The majority. It doesn't of them- have to be like a lot younger, right? I just think that men have much more success, and this is demonstrated in the data. The data, men do have much more success um, than women as they get older in dating. Uh- no, I think it starts to um, I think it starts to level off a little bit. Uh, but no, a girl who's a woman who's 40, 50. Um, we're actually going to do an experiment right now. We're going to take the profile of a grandma and see how many options she can get. Just having a hard time finding the grandma. But anyway, so a woman who's 50 or 60 will still have way more options than me. A girl who's like not even able to bear kids will still do way better than me. Um, or let's pretend like I was some like giga chat. She would still do better. Like, it's, it's just like the factor is so huge. So, again, like, if we – you have to follow, like, the trickle-down effect. But, like, again, if the guys can't even, like, get to the first step, everything else is meaningless versus for the woman. Uh, yeah, some percentage, some guys, sure. But we're just trying to assume all factors are equal. So let's just take a guy and a girl. Let's take me and Sarah. Me and Sarah, let's just assume me and Sarah, I'm single uh, and uh, whatever. Me and Sarah both want to get into a relationship with someone, right? And we both have limited time. We're both professionals. We work a lot. So we we have maybe one night a week where we can dedicate to going to a bar. So Sarah goes to the bar and she gets 10, 15, 20 phone numbers. Half of those turn out to be dates. I go out and if I have a good game, I get maybe one or two phone numbers. That's going to overall mean it's significantly more likely that she'll be able to get into a relationship than me just due to that factor. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's like a pretty open and shut case. Unless you can argue that the effect is so strong that it's like 20 times easier for uh, when there's like someone in a relationship for that woman to uh, for that man to get into a relationship with a woman. But I don't think like you can show that. So. And I'm Sorry. also questioning whether the, oh, yeah, I'm also questioning whether like the, um, the actual goal or intention of the date um, is really that important to to the conversation. I mean, I, I do understand the factors to it, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to, are, are you getting date number one? Are you getting date number two? You know, um, that was kind of the basis of the question. Um, and if, if, if we look at intentions and, and, and whether it's casual or long-term relationship, short-term, they just want sex, whatever the case may be like, yeah, we can say all of this, but this all comes down to personal preference and individual individuality at this point, you know, so everybody's answer is going to be different. Like, 
or even coming down to why didn't you choose to go out on a second date with him? Oh, well, I don't know. He just like made this funny, weird noise or something like those answers are all going to be off the charts, you know, in, in so many different directions. So I can't even think you can pinpoint that. But but to say that, like, if you're if you're already able to get date after date after date, you're already increasing your opportunities to get a second date, no matter what the intentions are. And even if the guy holds the power to a committed relationship or not, or marriage or, or whatever their intentions are, I think that factor still stays in place that if you can't even get one date with somebody, then you're never going to see number two. Like, end of story. But if you're always getting date number one with multiple people or, or, you know, increasing that, then you're, you're significantly increasing your chances. And I think females definitely have that ability to increase their stats on that all the, all day, every day. Yeah. Just to add to that, like subconsciously who has the leverage, like in, in my situation, my girlfriend, we both know that if we break up, she can get 20 dates a week if she wanted to with minimal effort me i can get maybe you know i have pretty good game i'm fairly charismatic i can get two three dates a week right but it still doesn't even come close right so obviously we both know that she has the leverage in that situation uh which kind of leads to an interesting side point which is like okay well what is good game for a guy well the good game for a guy is to make it seem like you're you know irreplaceable right but like the, most guys can't do that. Most guys are just like your average guy, right? Hence the term average guy. So yeah, like also if you combine that with the fact that one, more men are committing suicide, uh, two, that um, there's way more, you know, there's a lot of male incels, there's no female incel, three, that 99% of dating advice is geared towards men. I think when you combine that with all those factors, then it's like, it's a no brainer that dating is harder for men. I just think that there's so much psychology that goes into it that you see that's reflected in those stats. Like, when you talk about pretty much all of your Bumble studies, if they're really, I'm sure that they're well-conducted and stuff. I'm not saying that you're not conducting them well. But I, what I am saying is if you don't have any follow-up, there's very, very limited conclusions you can reach about any sort of long-term dating effects. And I think that by looking at, like, I mean, you both conceded that men generally are looking for casual sex more than women are generally. Yeah. So I, I think that we could see that reflected in all the rest of the data and i don't know that we could take a position that one is drastically harder than the other without knowing at least like ballpark numbers for how difficult it is after the second date for a woman to keep the dates going versus a man yeah so like well it, okay if sorry go ahead go ahead no i was gonna say so okay. if, if you, you, got ah, you go you go you go you go <laughs> do it sarah do it <laughs> so if let's just say um, a man is generally seeking casual sex, right? And let's say the females are a split population, half half want relationships, half want casual. If, if he really was just seeking a, a casual thing and they went on date number one and he wanted casual, but she wanted a relationship, like she still like has that chance of getting that second date significantly because he's still probably going to keep trying even though she says no i don't want anything casual i want a serious relationship x y z he's probably going to still try to get date number two and she can shoot it down because he's not matching what she wants 
then if she's if she's a girl who is doing casual, like she does want a casual and he wants casual. Okay. Now that's matched up. You know, even if he said, I want a relationship and she wants casual, like she's still going to get that second date. Like, like you, you, you've got a, you know, if you made like your little quadrants, you've got like three boxes checked for the females immediately. If it's casual or relationship, no matter what, like she's automatically going to win to the next level. If, if he's casual, it, do, it doesn't matter at this point what her intentions are, or what he, you know, he really wants. Like it's she's she's increasing her chances just by showing up. Right. And to further that point, like, let's just, just again, to be sure. Another, uh, go ahead. Do another thought experiment. Let's assume that, like, I don't know, uh, something like, I don't know, like, let's say, like, 50 percent of men want casual sex and only 20 percent of women or 25 percent of women. Let's make it cleaner. Want casual sex. OK, there's an imbalance there. Right. But if a woman is getting 20 times as many opportunities, then that kind of balances and then some. So you're, the point you were making is that like, well, you know, we don't really know what happened afterwards. OK, fair enough. But I think if we're thinking about it logically, we know that if that girl like we took the experiment a little bit further, we actually saw how many dates she could set up. So we were able to set up like four or five dates for her in like an hour. Uh, so if she has four or five dates set up, you bet your ass some of them would have shown up, right? And that still gives her way more options than the average guy. Was this for the obese woman you mentioned? Right. Yeah. Okay. Or for the so, woman version of you. Yeah, that too. But especially if we consider the fact that you know, typically women flake a lot more than men do, then yeah, like if anything, the effect that you're talking about would go in the other direction where the guys that we're talking about, the male model, would have even less options because a lot of those women would have flaked. So I think you're gonna you're seeing different weight, weighted situations here. I think <clears throat> I think it's true that the first state is very weighted in um, in a woman's favor. So like let's say she gets um, like you know ten guys that she's going on a date with, and then of those ten guys, she um, <clears throat> maybe like one of one of them wants to pursue a relationship, right? um after like you know the second date and then i i think on the guy's side he might only get three um three dates with like three women um but he could generally ask if things go well to one or two of them will probably be okay with being in a relationship or seeing how things go and I think you're going to see that kind of shift as the relationship keeps on going and women tend to want more commitment as the relationship goes. And men, generally speaking, of course, um, they there's not as much pressure biologically. There's not as much pressure socially for them to get married and to settle down. So they're going to be dragging their feet. And so it's going to be much harder for women to get married than men because a man could just drop down to a knee if they've been together for two years and things are going well and be like will you marry me and she's gonna say yes well that's, but, that's that's so not true like a lot of men get rejected like it's not as simple as just dropping on your knee and you like have it locked in like it it, it doesn't work that way for better or for worse like like if the girl is not really really interested in you she's gonna say no and it's the same thing with the guy. If he's not really but, really when you try to move things forward, he will say no. It just comes down to interest. It's not like but, well, because I'm a man, I have this like massive like fucking uh, ace up my sleeve, which is like getting in my knee and like proposing. The point though is that women are more invested in the relationship, given the fact that 
if they want more of a traditional relationship, if they want children, if they want a family, um, they don't have as many options as men do in terms of timing, right? So they are already, if they're spending two years with you, chances are they are ready to um, commit to you. They may Much not, more I, than a guy spending two years. Yeah. You can, right, you but we also have so much assume. more, we have so much more technology nowadays. I don't think women feel that pressure quite as, as much as they once did many moons ago you know i mean with all of the different um what is it in, in vitro or you know things like that like all of these different options that they now have like i don't think women are quite as concerned you know as as in they were you know back in their early 20s when you know generations ago when the, it was like oh you have to do it now like this is what we do um i think now think- with, with technology we're, like we yeah go ahead do you think women are going to spend multiple years um, of, a, of a relationship with a guy who they don't see themselves being with for the rest of their lives? If they're comfortable, I think they will. They I may not be Mr. Right, but they're Mr. Right rare. now. Like, I think if, that's, I yeah, think if they're comfortable, I think they will. You know, and again, I think a lot more um, women are not wanting as much of like the marriage and, and kids and all of those things right away. So I think if, if I was to be comfortable with somebody and, and, and like, maybe I don't want to pursue that next round of things, but I mm-hmm. just, okay, like we're having fun. This is a great companionship. I have no issues. We don't argue like, all right, let's leave it where it sits, you know, like don't fix it if it ain't broke kind of thing, <laughs> you know, but but that doesn't always mean that the end goal is to be married. I mean, Natty and Alex, yeah. I think, how long have you been married? Or not married. Uh, how long have you been in a relationship now? And you guys have zero intentions suppose, of... Suppose uh, we've been together. <laughs> we've been dating for two years. We've known each other for three years. Yeah. So I think you're going to yeah. have those those situations. But I, what I'm saying, I'm not saying that that's always the case, right? I'm saying that generally speaking... A much higher proportion of women, if they're staying in a relationship for multiple years, they're they're looking at things very seriously than than men, right? Um, I don't know. That's just to me. This seems like very maybe it's just because I grew up in a um, more conservative setting, um, but I would say even people who are not very conservative still have that struggle of you know they're living with the guy everything is seems to be going well it's just he doesn't want to you know commit and that's like the struggle that a lot of women have and that might be decreasing and if that's the case then that's you know that's great but I don't okay think that can I throw that fast. back at you though like you're saying you know if if like men are afraid to commit like then how many men out there have been in a relationship for two plus years and still haven't proposed, right? Like, so, and and then it end, they end up not proposing. And then the girl ends up leaving because they're like, all right, well, there's no end goal here. Like, let's just roll out. Um, yeah. But like, like, so a man can do it. A man can very clearly like be in a relationship for two plus years and not have intentions of, of getting yes, married. Why can't the girl? Like they were... They are like uh, Miss, not Mrs. Wright, but she's a Miss right now. They're comfortable. They're companion, companions. They're, you know, enjoying their time together. But he doesn't want to marry her. 
She's not the one, it, right? Does, I, I can do that. I think I think women I think women can do that too. Women can 100%. I'm not saying that women can't do that. I'm saying that women face much more pressure to um, get a commitment. Social pressure pressure um, they're considered, you know, slutty if they're by a large still a large portion of our society if they're living with someone outside of marriage. Not to say that, you know, that's the majority of people, but there's a lot of social factors and some biological factors that make um, make that the woman feel much more insecure in a relationship when it's not things are not locked down. I want to address your earlier point, Carissa, Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like that went unanswered. So I will actually grant you. Uh, that women have less time. You are right about that, right? Uh, but that is significantly outweighed by the difference in options. In one year, women will have more options than the average guy in a lifetime. So yes, there's less time for a girl, but it is like so outweighed by the fact that during that like the, that less time, they will still have overall way more options. At the end of the day, it comes down to opportunities and options, and women will have way more, even given the fact that the time spans are different. Uh, so that kind of counteracts that point. I also fundamentally disagree with this idea that men have like massive amounts of leverage when it comes to getting into a relationship. Uh, but even if that exists to some extent, it is still significantly outweighed by the fact that women have way, way more options. And I think like it's it for the average person, guy or girl, who's like not really in this, it's like pretty easy to like undermine the the challenge. Like my girlfriend was definitely in that category. Like she was like, yeah, and she's like, how bad can it be? She's like, I know guys who are good with girls. I'm like, well, yeah, that's why you know them because they're, you know, they went out on a date with you. But so like, but, but she did a complete 180 on that when I like basically, uh, you know, like try, had her try Tinder as a guy and she was like, holy crap. She's like, this is miserable. Everyone just rejects you. I'm like, yeah. Like we went out, we did a video, we tried doing approaching girls together. And she literally had an emotional breakdown because she had more rejection in those in that half an hour than she had in her whole lifetime. Right. She's not used to getting rejected. Right. But like when you have to approach a girl, you are getting rejected over and over again. So you find one that's interested. So I think like until it's really easy to just like so undermine it and like think it's not significant. But I think like for anyone who like actually experiences like what dating is like in 2023 as a man, you're like, holy crap, it is way harder than i expected like way 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 harder so yeah that's my my point this might be a good opportunity i want to give you a chance if you any any responses carissa and jackson as i didn't want to cut you guys off but otherwise they do have some interesting ideas from chat to run by you guys Uh, i think i would just end it off by saying like you know we can just look at who has the power to ask the questions generally socially in a relationship and it's almost always men. And then when we talk about, okay, the power goes back to the woman. Well, let's look at the success rate of marriage proposals. And we see that it's drastically more successes than failures. So we see that like, typically the power is entirely in the guy's hands when it comes to furthering that commitment. And I think that's kind of our whole point. Yeah. I think that again, marriage is like the final stage of the relationship. Uh, but even with marriage, sure, the guy typically asks the question, but it's not—it's not like the guy has. The, just because the guy asks the question doesn't mean the guy has the leverage. Typically, the way it works with most couples is like they're talking about marriage, they have the discussions about it before the guy asks the question. It's not like we're just hanging out and the guy asks the question, right? And if that does happen, typically the girl will say no. So typically, it's still a mutual decision, 
It's so like the girl's like, hey, here's what I'm at. The guy's like, here, here's what I'm at. So I think that's like a little bit of a misnomer where the guy's just like, just like, just because he has that, you know, he typically asks a question that he has that like leverage. The question is really, is kind of like a ceremonial or traditional thing, right? But it's not, doesn't really reflect about who has the leverage. I don't buy that proposals are just ceremonial. I don't think that that people are secretly engaged and then they do it to show people their engagement photos. Well, no, not, not <laughs> well, I can, I can say that like even my proposal, like, like it was, you know, a, a conversation we had of, you know, we're just kind of at this point and we really loved each other and all of these fun things. And I, I don't know, I think we should just do it. Like, let's get married, you know? And it was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. But the proposal itself, I didn't know when that was going to happen. You know, that was something where he still wanted to talk to my dad and wanted to do all these things. And he wanted to do it the right way, you know, the ceremonial way. Um, so I think that those those conversations happen more often than you may think. Um, I don't think a girl would like have no idea that a girl or a guy is going to propose to her. I think generally there's either hints being dropped or conversations. They have very serious conversations, you know, in advance because a guy's already in fear of being rejected to begin with. They're very mm -hmm. nervous and they want to make sure that this is something that she does want. So when he does do the ceremonial portion of it, he doesn't get let down, you know. Right. It's a mutual discussion. It's a, it's a mutual agreement. Uh, it's not the like the guy just like holds that power. Like, I, I, I just just don't agree with that. Like every single like I know a lot of married people, every single story I've heard was like, hey, you know, we had a discussion. We had many discussions. Typically, it's more than one. And we realized that, you know, we're ready to take things to the next level. Uh, but then, you know, the girl didn't really know when the guy was going to propose. That was like a formal surprise. But just because he was the one that proposed, they both still made the decision generally to get to take things to the next level. It was just like the guy had to go through like whatever the procedure. But that, that, that of itself, I don't think is nearly significant as I think you guys think it is. So from my experience, I would say that a lot of the people who I, like, I feel like my own situation was a little different, but I think a lot of people's situation tends to be a conversation of, you know, where people are at and the girl's like, yeah, I'm kind of ready. And then he's like, oh, that's good to know. And there might be some conversation. Um, and I think for, for a lot of women, they might have the conversation of like planning things out in the future where she's like, oh my goodness, he was talking about how, you know, we're going to have kids, we're going to, you know, retire together. And then he breaks up with her, right? So those situations happen a lot too. When you think you have those conversations um, and you think that the guy is, you know, planning some long term plans with you, sometimes he will. And many times he will be like, oh, you know, I'm not ready for this. I thought I was and back up. Uh, yeah, like, okay, here's another piece of data uh, that I think is, you know, everyone knows 80% of divorces are initiated by women, right? So that in of itself shows you like, if women are the ones who are like leaving the guys, then who has the leverage? It's not the guys that are divorcing women 80% of the time. It's the other way around. So like, just like every piece of data just like doesn't support the fact that men have this like massive amounts of leverage when it comes to the later stages of relationship. At best, it's like more or less even, but still like, it's just, it's still like, there's not this like massive advantage that men have. And when you combine that with the fact that 
vast majority of guys can't get their foot in the door to begin with, then overall that still gives men a massive disadvantage when it comes to dating. And again, like every piece of data I've studied, like the fact that like there's like way more dating advice for men than for women, all that stuff. Uh, way more men are single, uh, more men are incels or committing suicide, just kind of supports that like it is harder for men, but it doesn't dismiss the challenges women have to face. I just want to be clear mm-hmm. about that. I'm not saying that like the challenges women face are insignificant or like, you know, should be like brushed over. But if we're just trying to be intellectually honest and we're looking like overall, who has it harder when it comes to dating? When it comes to dating, it's it's men. Now, look, with other things like maybe like advancing your career in the corporate world, women probably have it harder. I'll fully acknowledge that. But with this one thing, it's men. I want to give you the last word, Carissa, because Alex talks a lot, but also because I want to hear. But no, this has been a really good discussion, for real, from everybody involved. I want to give a quick plug for everybody's links before I give Carissa a chance to respond, especially as I ask her a question related to what Alex just said. But I want to say first, folks, Sarah's, Alex's, Jackson's, and Carissa's links are in the description box. What are you waiting for? If you've been watching it this far in, you for sure have been enjoying the ideas that you've heard discussed here. So I encourage you, open up another tab if you're watching live. You can click on their link, save it in that other tab, and that way you can watch it right after this live debate. That includes, if you're watching, or I should say listening via the podcast, our guest links are in the description box there too. Chris, I want to give you a chance to respond, especially Alex's point, which is pretty interesting, that divorces are disproportionately initiated by women, namely around, I've heard, 70 to 80%. What was the number you said, Alex? 80%, about 80%. Carissa, any thoughts on that? So I would say that I think the dynamics do change a little bit in marriage, Um, and I I wouldn't necessarily say that men have more leverage in a marriage situation Um, since I guess the playing fields have leveled in terms of like commitment. And I think there's plenty of reasons why that statistic is the way it is. And I think that's a conversation for another day. But on a broader point, I would say that I think it's easy to come to a conclusion and then see things in the world and be like, hey, this backs up my conclusion, as opposed to looking at the things individually, such as dating advice for men and thinking, hey, if guys primarily are struggling with the first um, step of going up to a woman, you're going to see a lot of very specified advice for, you know, approaching a woman. And generally, everyone can take that advice and or most men can take that advice and use it. Whereas women's issues comes come in much more like, how do I um, get him to commit? And that's going to be a much more nuanced conversation and much more of a case by case, you know, basis. So the, that's an example of something that may look like it supports one conclusion, but there are, could be many, many factors involved with that. Um, and I think that goes for most of the variables that Alex brought up. Um, just because you believe something doesn't mean that you can retroactively go back and say, oh, all of these things support this. Um, that's not how intellectual honesty works. <laughs> I wish it were. That would be nice, but it's not. Um, Can you just quickly address that, like, 30-second follow-up? Yes, if you want a 30-second, I I, I want to go back to, originally I was going to give Chris the last word, but if you'd uh, like, you can have the last word. It'll be be something light. I think, like, again, I really have no dog in this fight. I've coached men, I've coached women. I don't really care who has it harder. Um, I'm not, like, biased in this. It's just that, like, with my female clients, I've had 100% success rate. I've never had a female client who wasn't able to achieve her dating goals 
after one coaching call. It doesn't even take more than one. It's done that two at most versus for men. I wish I had 100% success rate, but it doesn't even come close. There's a lot of guys who are coach who get part of the way, but they're not even close to their dating goals. And that's, you know, they have, you know, maybe they're short, maybe they're ethnic, maybe they have some kind of disadvantage, uh, maybe they're socially awkward, but whatever. So like, just, if I'm just going off that and like, I have one group of people, hundred percent success rate, another group of people who's like not even close to that. It's like, yeah, duh. Like, obviously the issue is that it's harder for men, right? It's not like I'm giving these women like extra preferential coaching that I'm hoarding and holding out on men. It's like, I'm giving everyone, you know, advice, but, one group of people is having way better success than the other. Any thoughts on Jackson? We actually, we haven't heard from you as much either. Maybe I probably should give you the last word, but I do want to bring this up because it's related to the idea of men as gatekeepers of, no, 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 it wasn't. Let me think about it. There was something I had for gatekeepers of relationship, men being that, but I have to remember what it was. The other one is in the live chat, someone said, I don't know if any of you have heard of this phenomenon. Allegedly, they said that trans women will say, like, it's common that they'll say after they've transitioned, like, whoa, dating is way easier now. I don't know if that's true. And frankly, I'm a little skeptical because I think a lot of men are, like, not into trans women. I could be wrong about that. Maybe I'm, like, old-fashioned. But has anybody heard of this phenomenon? Is this Has anybody heard of this ever um, I haven't personally heard exactly of that, but like just given the experiment I did where I put a wig on myself and I was like the ugliest trans person ever, honestly, uh, is yeah, like it was way easier for me. There's Alex and there's Alexa with a wig, right? And the Alexa has a way easier time than Alex. So yeah, I can like totally see that 100%. I can see that 100% for <clears throat> hookups, um, but then you get into the realm of the um, gay panic defense where which you know a lot of trans people are um, a victim of where the person is like sexually attracted to them but there's like a lot of bigotry and and they end up like killing them but I, obviously it doesn't go that far for many many people but my point being that I think there's a lot of stigma in like seeing um it's harder to get a steady dating partner when you're a trans woman still, um, as opposed to a cis woman. I don't know. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I, th I think I think you're definitely right about that. I can see that intuitively. But I think that's like a little bit of a different point. Uh, but it's again, it's like the options. I think the point that um, James is making is that like the options significantly increase. And mm -hmm. those options, even if like. 10% of the men that you go on dates with are actually serious about being in a relationship with you. Well, if you can go on, like, if you have 10 dates a week, then that's still one guy a week that, you know, is going to be interested in a relationship with you, right? For this, like, basically those guys that had, like, no options, couldn't even get a date, and they transition. Right? Now they have, like, you know, they're swarming with offers. And sure, it may be harder for them than the uh, cis woman, but it's still easier for them than a straight guy. Interesting. I have to, the thing I was thinking about now in terms of relationships. So one, Alex, you brought up the idea that 80% of marriages or so are ended by women, which of course I've got a, one thing I want to bring up because it's, it's interesting and it could be that, okay, like maybe like women are more selective or more like, yeah, you could say selective both in terms of the initial phase of like, am I going to be with this guy in the first place as well as am I going to continue to be with this guy? But the other thing is, I've been thinking about this phrase, namely 
men are the gatekeeper. Women are the gatekeepers of sex. Men are the gatekeepers of relationships. I think thinking about it a lot lately. And like two days ago, it occurred to me. I'm like, and someone said this in chat. So independently, we converged on this. Mm. I don't know if it's that men are the gatekeepers of sex. I think it's that the top 20% of men that are desired by women are the gatekeepers of sex. So generally speaking, men aren't per se the gatekeepers of sex. Like it's only those ones that women actually want to be. Are you with. talking about relationships, James? Gatekeepers of relationships? Yeah, James? yeah. I think you switched them. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I just <laughs> didn't get a lot of sleep last night. I meant to say relationships. Namely, only the top twenty percent of men are actually gatekeepers of relationships. Because women are like generally don't even I mean, allegedly don't even really want to be with the remaining eighty percent after that kind of top twenty percent premium tier. But any thoughts on this? Does this seem true? I'm I hate I don't think I'm per se taking sides by saying this. What are your thoughts on this? I'm just throwing it I out. Also, I think I'd agree. Well, they already they are, they've already increased their chances by being the top twenty. Like you're already, you know, your you know look status power whatever the case may be i mean you you have a better chance of getting the first tape so again this is going to continue down down that little <clears throat> pathway as well that you know the more you increase that first date chance the more everything else is going to be easier so i think definitely that you know that tw- top 20 percent is going to have it better than everybody and that's it yeah. i think that's in both male and female I think yeah. it's closer to top 1% instead of top 20% from the data I've seen. Uh, but yeah, for the top 1%, sure. It, like, it, just, it just goes back to, again, like options, right? So the more options you have, the more leverage you have. And if you have a lot of options, then you are going to be the gatekeeper. Like with Leonardo DiCaprio, he's not only the gatekeeper of relationship, he's the gatekeeper of sex too, I'm sure, right? Because he has so many options, right? He has such high leverage. Options give you leverage. Uh, but for like the vast majority of guys, they're like nowhere close to that. But yeah, for a very small percentage of men, I'm sure that they are the gatekeepers of relationships. And a even smaller percentage of men, 0.0001%, like celebrities, could also be the gatekeepers of sex to some extent. Isn't Aren't all DiCaprio's like, he's pretty limited by the fact that they have to be 25 and under, right? Yeah, I know. So weird. <laughs> this is... Kind of this is someone said. Thanks for addressing the Chad fallacy. Is there a name for this? What I just described, namely, like that it's really only the top twenty percent that are gatekeepers mm-hmm. of relationships. Is that known as the Chad fallacy, Sarah? I've never, heard that. I've never heard that. Go ahead, Chris. You do have like that. Don't you have like that halo effect concept as well that helps out? Um, I don't think that's necessarily the Chad concept, but if you have the halo effect, typically things work in your favor more. Um, like if you're just beautiful and or handsome or, you know, whatever the case may be, like that still helps you out. But I think, it, you know, um, it was always that like the looks money status concept that everybody talks about that, that gets you that top percent. Chris, I know you had a thought. The, the black pillars would argue that like what makes a guy in top one percent is looks or pri- like it's ninety nine percent looks. So uh, it's your it's genetic determinism. All right, so it's like uh, I, I can't I can't alter whether I'm going to be in the top one percent or not. Versus what I would argue, and a lot of people like in my community would argue, is that looks play a part, but it's like far from the only part of the picture. There's your status. Uh, there's your social skills. There's your charisma. There's, um, you know, like the amount of girls you t- interact with. So there's like a lot of factors, right? Uh, like I think like, you know, like there's three guys on this panel. Theoretically, any one of us could be in that top 1%. We're not limited by our genetics, right? Like, so it's like if we become ultra rich or ultra successful, we could be part of that. But yeah, that would be like the disagreement that like, but the black pillars would say, nope, 
Like none of us will ever be the top 1%. Sorry, James. Sorry, Jackson. You're not giga chats. You'll never be in the top 1%. Carissa, you had a thought, I think. Uh, No, I thought I knew the name for that, but I don't know it. So (laughs) that's all. The Chad fallacy. That's pretty interesting. We'll jump into these questions. Want to say one really quick housekeeping thing before we jump into the official Q&A. In particular, I've linked it at the top of the live chat. It's also linked in the description box is our TikTok. Modern Day Debate is expanding right now. As you can see at the bottom right of the screen, as it says there in the box, once we hit 1,000 followers on TikTok, we'll be able to live stream there, which is huge. That will increase our exposure of Modern Day Debate on the web big time. So I want to ask, if you have a TikTok, please click on our TikTok link pinned at the top of the chat or in the description box and follow us as that will help us unlock the live streaming feature of our debates there soon. So thanks for your help with that. And this question coming in from, do appreciate it. James, one quick thing. It says, I tried to click on it, it says couldn't find this account. So you might want to look into that. Oh, no. Did we get banned? No, I don't think you got banned. Maybe it's just a long, wrong link or something. Uh, yeah. Oh. I had the same thing. I can't find it either. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Okay. The, like the account's still there. Let me just fix the link. So thanks for saying thanks, that, Alex. Alex. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure, dude. And this one coming in from In the Pocket says, of course, it's harder. This is simple evolution. Most men didn't reproduce. Most women who survive did. We have more mothers than fathers. Ma evolution. I added the last part. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's like, I don't think it's just like solely due to evolution. I think there's like, it, I think it more has to do with uh, just simple economics, uh, like the economics of the marketplace. Um, but yeah, like, like for example, uh, here's another like, semi-pointless analogy but when i when i went to uh, lease a car three years ago right there was like you know there wasn't that shortage right so i had i was in a position to negotiate and i was able to get like a really really good deal on like my mazda right because again there was massive amounts of supply and the demand was like average but then we had that like chip shortage and suddenly there's not a lot of cars supply is low you could not negotiate at that point in fact the car dealers are adding like two thousand dollars because they can because the economics are in their favor so i just think it comes down to like simple economics honestly largely I, I think that the economics are reflective of the fact that men and women are looking for drastically different things i mean when you look at the platforms that are more built for hookups than long-term relationships you find a higher concentration i mean you find a higher concentration of men than women in any dating platform but especially the ones that are centered around hookup culture see i'd like just could not disagree with that more. I don't think men and women are looking for fundamentally different things. That imply that like 80% of men want hookups and like 80% of women want relationships. In reality, the split is like not even close to that level. Sure, there's on average more men who want hookups, but it's it's not really as far as you would think. There's a majority of men want relationships. Majority of women want relationships, uh, you know? So yeah, like, I don't know. And even if it was a big difference, Tinder is like 80% men. So for the woman, even if more percentage of men want casual sex, just because there's way more men, she's still going to have an easier time finding someone who wants a relationship than vice versa. Is it really 80% men? I've heard that stat. It's or like, higher. It depends on the app, but yeah, it's like 78, 79. Bumble's a little better. Bumble's like 72, 73. Yeah. Is it just well, that? I wonder if. I wonder if they're like checking that box just because they think the girls are going to want to see that box being checked as wanting a relationship and not just casual. Well, I'm, I'm not so actually. I go, wonder. I'm not actually going. That actually off, is. Uh, 
yeah, I'm not actually going off like what they check. I'm going off like surveys that that have been done where they ask like uh, whatever users like what they what they're looking for. So I'm going oh, off okay. surveys, not so much what people check. And I'm also going off like just my personal experience of like interacting with people and like seeing what they want. Wow. Any thoughts? Anybody else? Otherwise, I'll go to the next one. Thank you very much for your question. In the pocket also says men are the pointers, but women are the selectors. Is pointer some sort of sexual innuendo? What does that mean? Never heard that before. Okay. I don't know what it means either. Amit Matthew says, is quote unquote dating just a first date? Because women do find it harder to continue in the dating process over time. I think they're kind of getting at that idea that Carissa, you and Jackson both put forth, namely that it at least gets more difficult for women as time progresses. I don't think anybody would say that dating isn't just the first date or that dating is just the first date. You know, every, I think pretty much everyone would make the concession that dating is like the continual process. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the definition of hookup. If you're only going for one date. Yeah. This one coming in from upside down guy says, Alex, normally do- a door hits people on the way out. Did you moonwalk out a dance, uh, a door once and got hit in the face Instead of where the good Lord split you, oh, I oh, think they're I saying that you were hit in the, <laughs> the nice. face of the door. It's not nice. You have a tremendous face, Alex. I know of your, your success in dating, so I uh, don't worry. But this one comes from Upside Down Guy. It says, Sarah, did you let Alex borrow a tank top? Oh, my goodness. Actually, <laughs> this is actually my roommate. I think it fits Alex tremendously all right this one coming this guy is this one of the guys from your own account that harasses you at your home channel uh there's a bunch of them what's the user (laughs) well this okay this one from cj canton says to the no position if poverty and living at home is causing inceldom why aren't women living at home and in poverty becoming incels because Um, they're looking for fundamentally different things yes they're looking like okay so involuntary celibacy deals with hookups right so women they're able to have sex right easily well, no. so that's, that's established that's it, it doesn't just deal with hookups it deals with any kind of dynamic or relationship so uh women uh so yeah like like why is it that women who want relationships um, you know, never have to be incels versus men who want relationships do have to be incels, right? Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, inceldom doesn't just deal with casual sex. That's a misnomer. No, inceldom deals with being a virgin. Right, right. It's but, eliminated by casual sex. Or it's eliminated by relationship, right? True, but casual sex is easier for women. And that does come first, typically. Right, but there are, there are women who are looking for relationships who will not have sex before they're in a relationship, and those women are still not incels. Because they're um, not looking for sex. Like, that's not their goal. Their goal is the relationship cells. with the sex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this right, but they're, they're not... Oh, sorry, go ahead. James. No, go ahead. I don't mean to cut off. I was going to say, right, but they're still able to, like, have a somewhat of a dating life. They're still able to, like ultimately get into a relationship typically versus guys are not. Well, and it's also generally more accepted that a female, if she was, you know, living at home with her parents, like it's more acceptable to see that. Like a, a guy dating a girl who, you know, she lives at home with her parents is it's acceptable. 
much more across the board than it is the opposite. You know, if a guy lives at home with his parents, girls are like, why? You know, why aren't you on your own? Because we typically want them to be more stabilized, more successful, or, you know, in a better position than we as the female, typically. Um, So I think that's why that that causes that little feature there, you know. Well, that, that, that is true, but I've just seen too many incels uh, who actually have a job, have their own place, who have like a decent career, who are making good money, and they're still incels. So I've just seen like too many of those cases for me to think that there's like a very strong correlation between living at home. I've seen like plenty of cases of dudes who live at home who are like crushing it with girls in relationships or they're having a lot of casual sex, whatever. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure that living at home does give you a disadvantage. I will not deny that, but I don't think it's as substantial as you guys are making it out to be. Um, I can send you the article that or the study that went through it all. Um, Maybe from your experience, the people living from home aren't paying for um, dating help. That would probably make sense, right? Well, it's, it's, I don't just talk to people who pay me money. Uh, most of the people I talk to, I don't have any kind of business transaction with, right? I do a lot of live streams and I have forums where I constantly interact with people. 99% of them are people who've never given me money. And so you I, regularly talk about their housing situation? Uh, yeah, I have, like, for example, right now, one guy who's a virgin, I just, like, feel bad for him, honestly. I probably give him, like, thousands of dollars worth of free coaching. But, um, yeah, like, I, I talk to him, like, literally on a daily basis and I have a bunch of guys like him who I just feel bad for, and I just, like, fucking help them for free. This one coming in from, do appreciate it, Chris G. Says, I think what people want is companionship and peace and happiness. James, do you like me? Yes, no, or maybe. Thank you for that, Chris. (laughs) Absolutely. Amazing is what you are, Chris. In the pocket says, question for Sarah and Alex. You've already won the debate. Why the equivocation around this topic in our society, in your opinion? I think they're mean like many, maybe meaning like why are people obfuscating it? Like trying to like throw out smoke to say like, no, 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 this isn't the case. I don't know. what They, they say why the equivocation around this? I don't think it's bad faith. I think uh, Jackson and uh, Carissa are being genuine to what they believe. So I don't think there's like some kind of ulterior motive or anything like that 99% of the time. I just think, honestly, I think it has to do, I don't know about Jackson, like what his dating life is like, but for Carissa, I would just assume that she has very, very limited, if any experience, like experiencing the dating marketplace as a guy. And I'm telling you, this is my, my girlfriend, like two years ago, Carissa would have argued the same exact things you're arguing right now. Right. She <laughs> all those points we've had this i've had this discussion with her many many times but it wasn't until like she started experiencing dating as a guy uh you know because we created like a threesome profile and we like we started going out trying to pick up girls together until her like mindset completely flipped i remember one discussion we had that was like particularly like i think like kind of like the light bulb moment for her we're talking about like how many like how long how many like how hard is it to find a really good person in miami and she was like She's like, yeah, you know, but it wasn't easy for me to find someone like you. I had to go through like, you know, a bunch of losers. I was like, well, how many losers? And she thought about it. She's like, I don't know, like two, three. I was like, okay, I had to go through a hundred girls before I could find one of you. A hundred versus your two or three. So again, it's not even close. It's amazing you got that many first dates. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty good at what I do. But the point is, is that it was like a a mindfuck moment for her. That's super interesting. (laughs) That's fascinating. The Tinder experiments, I have to say, I've watched a number of videos, including on your channel, one or two of yours, Alex, on those Tinder experiments, and it's pretty interesting stuff. So this one coming in, although I do agree, 
I think that <clears throat> I, I'm glad that you did the follow up, Alex, where you didn't just look at the initial swipes. Because I remember on a road trip once with friends, I heard this. You know how Androids used to make the like drop sound, like bloop 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 bloop, every time you click it. I we were, we were I was in the front seat and I heard this like bloop 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 bloop, and I turned around and it was my buddy Andy. He was looking out the window and he was tapping the like or the right side, like the green button for yes, on his Tinder while just looking out the window. It just drew everybody. And he's like, oh, yeah. It's, then I just sort them out later. And so, but I'm glad. Which, Alex- by the way, is a very poor <laughs> Tinder strategy because it affects your algorithm score. So please don't do that, people. It's oh, not- that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. But because I do it too. <laughs> uh-huh. But here, so the idea is you said that you then reached out to them and you said like hey what about a date and the fact that you're saying like hey like because you're recognizing i think you're recognizing like the initial like bloop 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 doesn't count for much so this one coming in from do appreciate it izzy cup says not considering hookups do you think there is more scrutiny for women that can affect the longevity of dating and maybe even affect the first date um like what does he mean scrutiny or sorry what does she mean scrutiny of women like how selective we are i think it means like from a female I, being a judgment or something Is i, that I for for a second i interpret it as from men they say not considering hookups do you think there's more scrutiny for women that can affect the longevity of dating and maybe even affect the first date like pressure from outside is that what that means is that what they're trying I to get i think so Sure. I, th- I think they're trying to say, like, h- how judged their actions are around dating. would. Be- oh, yeah. W- women are judged more when it comes to dating, generally speaking. Um, so, yeah, I do think that plays a role. I just don't think it's nearly as significant as the role that the uh, economics of the dating marketplace play. But, yeah, there's some role in that. I've got a quick question. I'd, I'd agree. What, how is it? Is it just that? So, I mean assuming there's an equal number of men or women that are single and by single, I just mean identifying a single because theoretically it could be like, as we suspect the top 1% get way more attention. So like if it's true, well, I mean, Carissa, you and and Sarah, you can let me know if this is true. If you don't mind speaking for all women for a moment, (laughs) is it true? I've heard this (laughs) that women would prefer to share a top 1% man and I don't mean like in a polygamous type thing, but they're just maybe like they know like he's got a girlfriend, but they're still like happy to like date him or hook up with him sometimes that they would rather share that top 1% guy than be with a schlump kind of guy, but like where it's only, you know, purely exclusive. Would it be yeah. in marriage? If it was like, like it's <laughs> very like, fine line to draw but if i was married to let's say a gazillionaire who you know loved me and cared for me and and did all of those husbandly things and he was a wonderful father and all of that and and i thought it was possible or even may have found some type of proof that he might have somebody on the side I'm going to look at the holistic picture here. Like, is he still a good man? Is he so good for our family? Does he still take care of those other things? You know, like that's what I'd be looking at, but I don't know. I don't, I also don't share well with others very often. (laughs) That's a hard, that's a hard, mm, I don't know. Very hard one. Carissa, would you ever share Hunter? No. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) 
I think women are more okay with like quote unquote sharing someone if they are looking for more of a hookup um, than actually having something more long term. Um, or I would agree, I would agree with Chris on that. I think yeah, like it's like a common red pill talking point, which is that like a woman will be like your average woman is going to be more happier sharing a high value guy than dating an average guy. I, I don't think that's true. It's only a small percentage of women who be uh, who would prefer to share a high value guy, and typically they are more hookup uh, focused. Typically those guys, those girls, they're like you know like the Leonardo DiCaprio's harem girls. Like they'll fuck around with him, and then they turn twenty five, and then he like moves on, and then they get into like a serious relationship. So yeah, I kind of agree with Chris's point to some extent. Okay, interesting, Jackson. Uh, if you got any... <laughs> well, go ahead, Jackson. Uh, if you have something. No, I think I'm good on this one. Okay, then I, that was a setup question for this one. So assuming that, because I mean, let's say the assumption of like sexual orientation is roughly the same across the sexes, which I don't think is actually necessarily true or very true, but let's say it's like roughly the same so that why is it that 80% of men or 80% of Tinder users are men? And I think that's true for all of the dating apps. Like, I think I heard that for Hinge too. They're all they're all sausage fests, just like maybe seventy percent on hinge or something, so eighty. Yeah, so many sausages. So the idea is if that's the case, is it just that like there must be a ton of women that like again, like they're not willing to share a man, so they must be single, because otherwise you could say, Well, maybe it's because many women are kind of like sharing a man where they're like seeing a guy and they know that he's in a relationship, but most of us it seems like we're not super convinced of that here. So Let's say, is it, is it just that women are holding out and they're just like, I'm not really into the dating app stuff. Like, they're just more content and they're just like, I'm actually like quite fine. I don't feel like, why is it that there are so many more men? Is it just that men are more horny? Is that it? Is that it, Jackson? I, I think I'm going to get in trouble here because I'm going to probably agree with Alex quite a bit. Um, I think that there are two factors. The first one being women don't have to try nearly as hard for that first date. So men are looking to other avenues and one of them is dating apps. And so, uh, and the other one is, you know, women aren't looking for hookups as much and those dating apps are also pretty focused on hookups. So those two things, I think really magnify it. I think another thing, at least from my personal, my personal experience is that like, for me, I have found people attractive, um, after like just seeing them, I would be like, Oh, I don't know. But then after I get to know them, I'm like, this guy's like super cool. Um, and so I think this just disproved of... the black pill. <laughs> no, this is true. The it's over. first guy I dated was, I thought he was like, uh, kind of mid <laughs> to use the terminology. But then I like started to talk to him, like, whoa, this guy's really neat. It turned out not to be. But, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, and I think a lot of like women are saying like this is really not enough to be matching with someone just based on their photos and their um, bio and a lot of guys are trying to you know say what the girl wants to hear and they don't really just want um a hookup generally speaking and i think a lot of women do find attraction more so on um interaction and that's they prefer to to date that way, I think. It's also safer, you know? If you have mutual friends rather than just meeting up with like a rando. 
I like okay, so that's that's funny. Sorry, not to like uh sidetrack the conversation, but um if you look at like the I don't want to like turn this into like take this into a dark turn, but if you actually look at like um R word cases, vast majority of them are from um uh, people the girl knew in her life. So uh it may seem like it's safer to meet people like through your mutual friends, but I don't know if it actually is. Uh but back to the original point, yeah, I like I agree with like the points you guys brought up. I think there's a few more things I would add to that. Uh, one is that women typically can meet their dating goals much faster on than men. So like a, like let's say a guys looking for a relationship, girls looking for a relationship. A girl can get into that relationship in like a month or two of being on Tinder, and then she gets off Tinder, or maybe she she's looking for more casual, so she gets a few fuck buddies, and then she gets off Tinder. Versus the guy has a much harder time achieving that, so therefore he's on a dating app longer. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing, women are just as horny as men. However, men are way more likely to um, go out and have sex with a new person. Uh, than a woman is but once you get past that the the sex drive is like about the same if not higher for women but yeah like men are, men are more likely to like take risks right meeting up with a new person having sex with them is a risk uh to some extent right so a uh, man is more likely to take that risk than a woman is so that's like another mm -hmm. factor and then i would say the probably the last factor is that um fuck i forgot what i was gonna say all right we'll just leave it those two that's super interesting okay I love it. Very interesting. This one coming in from Upside Down Guy Strikes Again. I think this is the one that is just oh, like the envy boils over. They want your game, Alex. Says, what's ideal? An unathletic man with a pet hamster or strong man with pimples on his back that lies about the length of his gym's open room showers? What does this mean? Okay. Don't be dissing on rodents, guys. <laughs> That's some interesting oh, questions James. Yeah, that one's weird. Oh, I'm just going <laughs> to the next one. A long story short says, what Carissa isn't understanding? Allow me to mansplain. They didn't say that. <laughs> but they say, what, what's not understood is that women narrow down the dating pool so small, there are hundreds who would commit to second dates. They are undesired that's true i so i do acknowledge that there are i think there are types of guys that it's harder for them to be attractive to women um i get that um but i think that's something that could be a byproduct of plenty of things um there's like I think there's a, a slight lack of maybe social skills and and other things and I think a lot of women like to have more of like a planner and an extroverted guy um, that they feel like they can connect to very easily where um, a lot of like introverted guys are you know you can still connect with them but it takes a while. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I don't know how that changes too much, though. Well, I think the point is, is that for like your average girl, there's like dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of good quality men who are willing to commit to her, but they're not even on the girl's radar because they're not like, you know, they're not super charming or they're not like really good looking and they don't have like high status or something like that. Like they don't even like they don't even enter her radar. Right. It's, it's, they're like an automatic rejection before. But if she had given them a chance, 
then she might have had a great relationship, right? And versus for men, we don't, we're not like auto-rejecting girls, you know, who are good partners. Like we are like typically, there's a saying, men are looking for reasons to swipe right. Women are looking for reasons to swipe left. Meaning like men are looking for reasons to like the girl. Women are looking for reasons to dislike the girl. And that again, goes back to the economics of the DNA. Generally speaking though, I think if a guy like wanted to pursue a girl and thought that they would hit it off. And if he came up and tried to pursue that and they were compatible, I would find it very unlikely that she wouldn't like see that. Um, If she was attracted to his personality. um, I would just could not disagree with that more. There's so many good guys who aren't even on the girl's radar. I'm not saying just good guys, but if she's like attracted to his personality, like even if he's short, even if he has a hamster, right? I think you can still win a girl over 100%. Um, yeah, I just, I, I again, I, the, this is kind of the way it always happens in Hollywood movies. Like the guy is able to like win the girl over, but in reality, that's like just not how it happens. A lot of those guys, uh, get like restraining charges and stuff on them. And like, if they pursue the girl too hard, but yeah, like more commonly, they're just not on the girl's radar. They get a rejection. Um, yeah, I've just seen that like play out so many times. Yeah. I don't know. I disagree. I would say that it's like, that that first hurdle of going up and talking to him and getting in one conversation is like drastically harder than the rest of it. And once you get past that, the chances of you getting turned down by this girl, you know, if it's not right away, it typically drops a ton. Like even that, like just going using myself as an example, like if we go off like all the women I sleep with, right, I would probably be like kind of in the top 10 percent of men. But despite all that, all like if I sleep with 10 girls and I want to hang out with all of them, maybe four or five will like hang out with me again like it's it's still like it's gonna be less than 50 percent uh a lot of them are gonna drag their feet and probably because they have so many options i've done this thing where i've like i've gone through like after i hook up with a girl i go through her tinder and i look at her options nba player athlete dj like and we're not talking about like ultra hot girls we're talking about like your average woman just has like these insane options where it's like, okay, I'm like nowhere even close to like whatever the fuck you got going on there. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think that depends on the community you're in. Yeah. I, like I really, sure. I really do think that it depends on the community you're in. And I'm not trying to say like anything about the type of woman that you have hooked up with, but I just think that it really, those people, people that really are okay with going on one date and being like, eh, I don't really want anything else, they tend to group together. And I think that you're just in a group of people that are really commonly doing that sort of thing but that's like another misnomer about me because like i was looking for a relationship or i was i was like very open to a relationship for like the last four or five years of my life i wasn't just trying to like smash like i've already been with a lot of girls i wasn't trying to like bang more girls i was like generally looking for something more serious and it eventually happened for me right because again i went through enough volume uh but um yeah so i, I don't think i was just like attracting these like fuck girls or something like that i think uh yeah it's just like, maybe they just didn't like you Sure, I'm sure some of them didn't like me. <laughs> the question, the question is why? Why would they not like me? And again, I think that has to do with the fact that you know they have probably better options, right? As like, as like fucking they- for me to say, I've just like gone through too many girls' tinders and saw their options. Where I'm like, okay, yeah. So unless I can really emotionally hook a girl, right? Like unless I can get her really emotionally invested, and she thinks I'm like one of a kind, which is mm-hmm. kind of tough to do in one date, but sometimes you can do it. Unless I'm able to do that, 
I am very replaceable because she has on the surface, she has guys taller than me, better looking than me, richer than me, have more status than me. Um, I'll probably fuck her better than most guys. But other than that, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to stand out like as much as like I would like to, unfortunately. Do you, do you think, I don't want to deconstruct your dating life or anything. But no, go for it. I'm not sure. Uh, do you think that when, you know, you were going through all these women trying to find somebody that you were really ready to get into a commitment with and they were trying to get into a commitment with you, if you ever got turned down, do you think it was because they didn't want to get in a relationship or because they didn't want to get in a relationship with you? Like, did they want to stay in that hookup culture or did they just not see that with you? Well, see, the thing is, I wasn't even able to get to like past the first date. Right. So it was it was just the fact that they didn't want to pursue anything with me past the first or second option. And again, typically, like sometimes also, I, I don't do this anymore. But in the past, I used to do this thing where like if a girl like whatever ghosted on me, I would send her this text that would be like, hey, uh, you know, I understand you're not interested. No worries. Just have curiosity for my own self-improvement. Uh, could you please tell me what made you not interested? Right. Like, and I've, I've had my clients do that. And typically the results are like, yeah, you know, you're cool. I like hanging out with you. But there's this other guy that I met who I like more, something like something along the lines of that. But I don't think the reason they like the other guy more is because of their status or the fact that he's a DJ. I think it's probably just because they have a deeper emotional connection. Yeah, I just could not disagree with that more. Again, I've just like <laughs> seen the the options that these girls have. Uh, we're talking about like your fairly attractive girl in Miami. I'm sure in other parts of the city, this effect is like not nearly as extreme. And like it's like fucking basketball players, DJs. Uh, and in one date, it's really hard to really hook a girl with a strong emotional connection. So therefore we're all like kind of like operating without her. If, if I go on like five dates with a girl, I am like extremely confident in my ability to hook her more than like any one of those people. But with one date, you're, you're kind of limited in how much you can like make the girl invested. This is super, I go ahead. I totally disagree when I like, I could not disagree more from like my perspective. I like, I went out with a good number of people in college and, you know, I would say they were all like pretty conventionally attractive, but like, I just didn't have, like, I honestly don't believe in the friend zone. I just think that that's what women say to let guys down easy because something doesn't click with them. And I think women are really looking for something like an emotional connection of like, oh my goodness, this guy is, you know, he's interested in the same thing that I am. He thinks I'm intelligent. He thinks we're, we're, you know, having really good conversations. We're finishing each other's sandwiches, right? Um, so I think that's kind of what women are looking for as opposed to, and now I'm sure there are plenty, there are some women who are just like going after like guys who have street cred, right? But I don't think that's majority of women by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, like every single woman I've like dated, uh, including my current girlfriend, I didn't really develop a strong emotional connection on the first or second date. It took like months of hanging out and getting to know each other before we like really vibe like that. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just like operate slower in that sense. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've never really personally experienced like the situation where like you go on one day and you're like, oh my God, like we're so like emotionally compatible. It's like typically you start progressively opening up and making yourself vulnerable as trust builds up, which typically takes time. This is interesting to say the least. And the next question. Oh, wait, wait, another thing. Because Alex, you said that like you've had, like you have many dates. And many of them though, like maybe like uh half after you hook up, I think you said, you don't like that's just the end of it. 
Yeah, like half the ones that like I personally want to hang out with you uh, with don't hang out with me yet. Okay, I see what you're saying. And now so it made me think, but Sarah, you mentioned earlier, did I over, like I didn't know because I'm watching chat at the same time. Did you say something like sometimes, were you saying this in the context of like reasons why women sometimes will not go on another date? If It's like something like sometimes it's like, well, he just made a funny sound. Like he while made we were a on funny sound, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could have had bad breath. He could have just smiled weird or he was just awkward at the table or maybe he chews with his mouth open, you know, when he's eating food. I yes. mean, you could find all of these reasons. And the thing of it is, is and, and I am going to go back to like grandmother's advice on this one, because if there's something about them that bothers you now, it's only going to bother you even more later, the deeper the relationship goes. Um, you know, so that's why like females, most of them, like if he does something and it's like, nope, can't do it. Uh, you walk away immediately. You have to, because like we're very complex in terms of thinking about these tiny little stupid things and it just expands even more the more you think about it whoa okay wait (laughs) go ahead alex i was gonna say right that is true but the only reason women are in a position to do that is because they have way way more options right if the if the absolutely flipped and women have as many options as men do i guarantee you pretty soon they'll stop being way less picky right uh you know mm-hmm. i just I don't know, like when i when i go to columbia or like at least the previous house been in columbia i get like way more like options on there like way more matches on tinder way more girls into me and i just suddenly catch myself becoming way more picky right it's like man this girl's like a 7.5 nah i don't have time for that so you just like the more options you have the picker you become like, i think it's like a pretty like well-established like psychological phenomenon that's interesting. Well, there's a it's a cookie it's a cookie story that so if I have a hundred cookies right and no. I can only have one of them I'm going to like sit there and and if I find one single flaw in that cookie I'm immediately throwing it to the side until I find that one perfect cookie. But if I only had three cookies and you say you can only have one like like. I'm really not going to scrutinize it that bad, right? There's only three of them. I only get one. There's not much I can do between the three. Yeah. That's interesting. This one from Brandon Arlene says, how are men with shrinking social circles expected to get first dates when women in general are becoming more fearful and less approachable publicly? Is it true that women are more fearful? I know men are more fe- fearful of accidentally committing a me too by saying hello in the wrong way or something like that. Or maybe they're just, they don't want to, I think another thing too, well, anyway, I'll let you guys answer this question. Are women becoming more fearful? I don't, I don't think so. At least not, not that I've seen. I haven't seen anything that would say that women are like becoming more fearful or closed off to that sort of thing. I think that that's part of the problem is in guys' heads, women are super closed off to that now. Yeah. I think both men and women are becoming more fearful. Honestly, uh, I don't think it's exclusive to women. Men are becoming more fearful because they're so paranoid about getting like me too or something like that. And women becoming more fearful because so they saw the Tinder swindler documentary or they saw like they read some horror story about someone that got murdered on Tinder. So I think, yeah, like because the way news works, it's like basically like, you know, fucking fear porn. Uh, so, yeah, I think both parties are becoming more fearful just due to the media they consume. Anybody else think that women are more fearful? Or not. I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, especially as a female and, you know, you're at a bar and a guy approaches you, especially if you're kind of standing by yourself or something, you know, it's just, it's awkward and it's, it's weird. And, and maybe it's, it's just unsolicited. You don't want it. it. 
you know, and somebody still kind of does it anyways. It's like, why, why are you doing that? I'm not looking at you. I didn't give you any signs, you know, please go away. Um, you know, I, and I think, especially if you're on Tinder or, you know, any type of other dating apps, you like, I, I can't tell you how many friends say, Hey, here's who I'm going out with tonight. Here's his information. Here's his Tinder profile. Here's his phone number. If anything goes wrong, like if you don't hear from me by 10, call my mom, you know, call somebody <laughs> like do something because it's, you know, you're meeting strangers on the internet, which is everything that we were raised not to do. So, and I, that's, mean, I think that's a good point. I think I don't, I feel like that's, that fear has been steady though over the past like 20 years because you have, you know, true crimes um, documentaries that have been coming out that everyone watches. Um, I feel like that fear has been steady I feel like there are some instances like the girl um, at the gym who did the TikTok thing <laughs> with a guy just like glancing at her and she was, she reacted in a way, but that's like, that's the thing is that like, I don't think that is very rational because that's one girl out of, you know, so many people. Yeah. And obviously it went viral. The only reason it went viral is because it was way over the top and people recognize yeah. that. And it is true that guys can be creepy at the gym, but that guy wasn't being creepy at the gym, you know? Yeah, I, th I think it's probably, that's probably more of a social contagion than anything else. I would agree. I think that probably women are, sure, fearful in some respects, but I would argue that it's not been increasing. It seems yeah. like they're kind of staying constant. They're always employing these behaviors of like, hey, this is where I'm going. This mm -hmm. is who I'm going with. You know, if I'm not back home by this time, this is what you need to do. It seems like that's all stayed pretty steady. It's just that yeah. guys are more fearful of like women being able to speak out about the results of being, you know, intimidating women or maybe overstepping some boundaries. No, yeah. I think it's, I think it's increasing. I think just simply because people are becoming more recluses, like, like every year, less and less people like live normal social lives and more and more they spend their life on the internet. And uh, like 20 years ago, it was like totally normal to like, go on a blind date or meet up with someone. But now when you spend like a year on TikTok, you're always on the internet. Like it's going to seem a lot more like radical. So yeah, I think just because of uh, social media and how much time is spent on the internet, people are becoming more fearful from what I've seen. Well, and also like behind that too, you know, most people, even if you were set up on a blind date, it was with somebody that somebody knew. Or if you met somebody and traded phone numbers, it was in person that you met them because we didn't have you know, all of these different apps and things to to try. I mean, you had like match.com coming up, you know, like pretty early on, but, you know, decades before that, it's it's all being, it, you met the person or in person, you know, organically or per se. Um, so you can immediately get a vibe then on whether you would even be willing to go on a date with them. You know, whereas when you're swiping and, and talking to somebody for a few days on the internet and then going and meeting up with them for a drink, you don't you can't get that full vibe until you meet with them physically. So I think that's where that fear leads up to, because you have no idea, like chemistry wise or anything or, you know, getting red flags and vibes from somebody that you don't get that until after you've already you know spoken to them on on online and then finally meeting for the first time, whereas before you you met first. Mm. I put it in the chat. There is a poll, folks. Are women, and it, this could be, I want to make it clear that as Alex, I think, said, it could be that both men and women, because they've been recluses 
for the last, what is it, two or three years because of COVID and all that. And then also just social media is becoming a bigger part of our lives. It could be that men are simultaneously becoming more reclusive, fearful on average. So if you say that women are in this poll, it doesn't mean that you're saying like more than men. It just means more than women four years ago, let's say. And so mm. far, the the poll is showing about a 50-50 split. So half of the people that, yeah, it's exactly 50-50. And it keeps jumping around that uh, fig, that number. So that's interesting. Hmm. The fact that there I mean, is 50, now it's 52% says yes. I just get a kick out of that. It's, only, it's a really small poll. We've got like 33 votes right now. But it's fascinating because... I tend to think everybody, I think here's one little thing. What do you guys think about this little nugget? I think that since COVID, character and virtues have like in a very subtle way gone down across the board. I think that people are more irritable. I think people are less hopeful, less happy. I think people are like more prickly, you know, like in the service Mm -hmm. industry, they're more likely to be rude to their waiter or waitress. They're, I think they, they're just crankier. Anybody agree? I would somewhat agree with that. Yeah, I think the not to enter COVID debate, but I think it took a massive toll on like a lot of people's psyche. Um, the whole like shutdowns so depends on where you live. Like in some places, it wasn't that bad. But if you lived in a place with like a massive, I mean, look look at what's happening in China right now. Like you have like the this is the most the Chinese people have ever protested. It's due to lockdowns, right? Like people just fucking I don't know. It's it's fucking with people's health. Yeah, mental health. I I might not I, I might be looking at people as like fundamentally a lot worse than they are but i just think that people have seen that uh you know being nice and being a good person out in public as kind of an investment and since COVID has come they think that maybe there's a lot less opportunity for them to get a return on that investment so it's not worth making i think there's that i i think that's probably the case but i think there's also um since you're primarily socializing online um and we also have a lot of politics in the social media that we consume online while we're socializing online. I think that has made socialization more political than it used to be. And when you were out um, and socializing before, it was more humanizing because you were relating to people on different things than their political beliefs. But now I feel like since um, your social life and politics have have come together so tightly, I think it's very easy to demonize the other side and all the people within it and to dehumanize them. Like those black pillars, those bastards. Okay, this is coming <laughs> in from, just kidding. If you're black pill, we hope you feel welcome. We're hoping to do black pill debates soon. They'll be juicy. But counselor guy says, Dating is harder for men because women continue to impose traditional conservative gender roles onto men. Traditional roles are optional for women, though. Is this true? I think there's an element of truth to that, yeah. I, I would definitely disagree with that. I, who do you think is more you know, stigmatized for negative behaviors or for like unchristian behaviors? We have terms for slut-shaming. Um, yeah, I think the, the point, though, is a little bit, it's not specific about slut-shaming, it's just that, um, 
like quite often women will say that they want a man who's like, yeah, I want a man who's like, you know, traditional and does this and this and this and that. But then they're not like actually being traditional themselves. It's like something, even though I disagree with the Fresh and Fit podcast a lot, I do think that's like a pretty interesting thing that they keep pointing out over and over again is that like, yeah, you kind of see that little bit of a hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Or like they 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 want the man to open their doors and buy their meals, but but I'm gonna be little miss independent too and do my own thing. So like you you, you it's kind of like you can't have your cake and eat it too at the same time. And I I think that the women are like picking and choosing which part of traditional they want based on their own terms. I, yeah, I think like that's a, kind like of a big a of- battle for men. Yeah, like a lot of women will be like, I, I I, need a guy who will pay for the first date. But at the same time, they'll be like, I'm my own woman. I don't need anything from a man. Except on a first mm-hmm. date, you have to buy all my drinks, right? It's like, you see these yeah. like women like, I don't need anything from a man. But if you don't pay on the first date, you're a loser. Like, it's like, it's like a, yeah. Like, yep. you, you can have it. You can be like the weak female, like whatever, like type of supportive character. And then the guy buys you a drink. Or you can be a strong, empowered woman. Uh, and then you pay for your own drinks, but you can't have both. Carissa, are right. you going to let them say this? <laughs> um, I I mean, I understand what they're saying. I think that a lot of women do that, but I do think that's um, because they haven't thought through things or I don't think like most rational, like normal women think that way. Um there could be something to the fact that they just are still kind of going by the traditional values in terms of dating, but in their personal life and their personal development, they've become more feminist, but they just haven't brought that into their dating life since it's not as like, and I guess they're not in that life all the time. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. And I do, I think there's some, it's the social norms are weird um, with that stuff. And I, I definitely see that there needs to be growth there. But I don't know if uh, a guy paying for a date, though, is necessarily making it like super hard for him. Like, I, in I think the dating market. No, no, that's not that's not the point. I don't think that makes it hard either. It's just the point he was making, I think, is that like it's just like this this. Um, I don't know, counterbalance or hypocrisy, whatever you want to call it, that exists. But women like want traditional men, but they don't want to be traditional themselves, like picking and choosing. It's like, I don't know, like, yeah, I'm all for BLM, but I don't know about those like African black people. You know, it's like you can't pick and choose that shit. Like, I don't know, it's like that type of thing. Not the best analogy, but you get the point. It just seems like the norms are, we're more like restrictive on women. So now that we're seeing them be freed from that, it's possible that it seems like they're more restrictive on men because they're evening up. It's not like women are going ahead, getting ahead, but like, you know, women were at one point seen entirely as property. Now they're just fundamentally working backwards to get more and more rights, breaking free from these norms. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we're just seeing people even up. Well, women have yeah. had all the same rights as men for like several decades, right? So that's that's already been accomplished. But um, yeah, I think like, again, women have the leverage. This goes back to my arguments that women have the vast majority of the power and the leverage. And so women do have, women do, can do that, right? They can be, you know, demand a traditional man and be non-traditional themselves because, you know, they have so many options and one of those guys will go for that, right? So they're just taking advantage 
of the leverage they have in the dating marketplace. I'm not going to say that's like evil or something like that. Like they're doing it. Guys would do the same thing if their shoes were flipped. Like if, if, if like it was as easy for guys as for women, if a woman was as hard as this for a guy, you bet guys would be all kinds of hypocritical. They'd be like, I want a woman who's a virgin, who's this or that, but I'm going to have sex with a hundred women. Right. Like, so you would see that. So, yeah. fit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's true. People just take advantage yeah. of, like, the, of the whatever their opportunities and circumstances, and yeah, like everyone can be a hypocrite quite often. <laughs> you got it. This is not gonna get from only laughing at something. These silly people in chat. The CJ Canton says this. Sarah hit the wall. Hit hit the nail on the head. Sorry, I always see that red pill quote. And then they say two very different things. <laughs> they, very much so <laughs> they say Sarah hit the nail on the head about inceldom a woman can be a loser quote unquote with no job who lives with their parents still and gets into a great relation, relationship let alone sex proving it's easier for women debate over you're welcome this one I don't me. know I don't know many people who are over 18 who aren't in college or don't have a job and are just like career dating and living at their parents' house. I feel like this is doesn't doesn't just doesn't just pearly things literally like push that narrative like like women should just that should be your job is to how to, you know, find a husband like let's get back to conservative like. Very conservative, but but it brings it back to like that the the like you have a brother and a sister right the brother goes off to college dad sends him off you know to go find a good career be a great man yada 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 whereas the girl still stays at home waits for that you know suitor to come pick her up figure it out you know and and eventually marry and if she's not married by like 21 she is wrong and now she's getting too old right and i think that 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 piece of it comes into play when a female today's age is still living at home like it's kind of just more accepted she doesn't have to be out and independent and working towards a great career because she's not going to be the one to to provide for the family to stabilize the family then to do those things she's going to be the one that's at home tending to the children and so on. i mean with mm-hmm. that assumption right yeah so i, think I just think that's can get away attractive. with it more yeah do you think that's, it, uh, that's I mean, less attractive than it was? Sure, a guy, a, a yeah. guy could think that's less attractive and be like, "Why, why, why are you not doing anything?" But, like, again, when you look at the future role of it, what does she have to do to provide for a family except for be mm-hmm. a good wife and a good mother? At the mm-hmm. end of the day, that's her, you know, default role based on biology. You know, whereas it's the yeah. man that should be the one providing. So if he is a traditional man. He may find her to be the you know greatest catch in the world. I, you I know, think I don't know. More women are going to college now, which is, I think, an interesting dynamic because you're having more non-traditional women coming in, and men are staying more at home and like I guess working more blue-collar jobs. It's, it is a very interesting dynamic, and I I would like to look more into the research regarding that, but. Yeah. Juicy to say the least. Yeah. This one coming in from Mike Dust says the answer is simple. It's harder for the average man and unattractive women and easier for attractive women and high level men. So work on being a high level man and don't chase women. 
Thank you for that, Mike. <laughs> this one coming in from Upside Down Guy says, My hamster, Hamela Anderson, squeaked out that she thinks Alex watches... Hey, what is wrong with you? <laughs> this guy's really got your number, Alex. He's oh, just, good lord! He despises what, what? the envy. Uh -huh. What did he say? He's green with envy. Now he's accusing you of watching father-son pornography. Oh my goodness! Oh my! Listen, oh, I can attest. And I only do that on Sundays, okay? This is, this, is, uh, <laughs> this man, upside down guy. Are you green with envy toward Alex? Why? I thought it was some sort of like fun game that you guys like tease each other. And I was like, oh, okay, but I can't, Alex doesn't remember you though. <laughs> anyway, in the pocket says, while I agree with some of the premises of the red pill, we're not getting anywhere until men also recognize how women must feel in their circumstances. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Upside down guy says advice. Let's see. Okay, it's another, presumably another jab at Alex. <laughs> yeah, these family. guys are so funny because they never actually want to come on and debate me. Mr. Upside Down Guy, you have an open invitation to come on for a debate on my channel. But they're always, they're all such like massive cowards. They never actually come on and do a debate. This they're the 99 dates that re rejected you all coming back to haunt you. This one coming in from <laughs> Alternate Keck. This one, they say, men do not deserve to be emotionally tortured and left to suffer in loneliness. Why should men uphold their social contract if society tortures them? Whoa. Is it true society is torturing men? Or I mean, don't get me this wrong. This is like such a, such a victim mindset. I mean, Yeah, like, we found the black pillar. This is like a massive victim mindset. It's like, well, I'm not going to participate because they're not nice to me. It's like, dude, we live. this is the marketplace we live in. You can make the argument about anything. The fucking economy. Like, it's not easy to become a multimillionaire, right? But should you just be a broke-ass mofo? Like, I don't know, man. Like, any type of thing that's competitive is tough. That's what makes it competitive. But, like, yeah, I'm not going to, like, sit there and complain about how bad men have it or something like that. That's... Yeah, it's... Go ahead. It's important to recognize, like, how some people have it easier or harder than others, but that doesn't give you an excuse to not try. Like you're definitely not going to make it anywhere up from your starting point if you're not working hard. So I just don't see the point in complaining. Juicy to say the least. Oh, and then in the chat, uh, they remind me, I forget who it was in the chat, but they said that it's called instead of looks maxing, which in the red pill community is where you like, yeah, you just want to look your best. Mm -hmm. It's called transmaxing when a man transitions to be a woman for more dates. Uh, Alex, is this one of your tools that you teach uh, your followers? Or <laughs> I do not teach that, but there's a guy named Hormaxer out there who that's right up his oh alley. So, <laughs> that could be the new meta. That's I don't think we rule it out. But yes, it is. Okay, so there's. I think there's one other interesting thing I, I wanted to ask you guys. Let me just think of it. Any more in the chat? I think. Oh wait, going back to the poll, fifty-two percent. So it's pretty steady now. It's only eighty-two votes, but fifty-two percent are saying like, "Yep, I do think that women are more fearful today than four years ago." And like I said, it's not compared to men. It's just compared to women four years ago. So they might think men are too. I frankly tend to think men are too. I think that most negative traits are a little bit higher than average since COVID, like I said, including prickliness, but also including like fearfulness and being a recluse and just, isn't it? I feel the pressure 
I feel it's harder to be like more outspoken and assertive. I feel like post COVID world is like more timid and like, and more easily offended by people being assertive and kind of like pushing their way through. I don't know. I feel like if I, especially am, if I ask somebody at the gym, if I can work in with them, that used to be normal. But now people look at me when I ask them, can I work in with you between your sets? Like I've got an arm growing out of my forehead. Like it's really, <laughs> I feel like people are like just very shy. They're more shy now. Is it just me? I think people well, are we're out of practice. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, oh, I maybe know that's it. it. What? Go ahead, Alex. But, but I think we're also out of practice. Go ahead. Oh, okay, sorry. sorry. I didn't mean to. I thought you were done with your point, but Sarah, please continue. Oh, I, I just feel like people are kind of out of practice on how to, you know, engage with people in public, you know, in person. I mean, we all spent at least a year of, can we come out now? Can we come out now? Can we come out now? And and being yelled at for wearing masks or not wearing masks and, and everybody's suddenly judging everybody. And it's like, gosh, I just want to go back to my house now. You know, I don't want to see people anymore. But I thought, I, I also feel like that kind of out of practice sense, you know, like, you these are learned behaviors but if you're not out there doing them you know you're then you kind of forget how yeah there was like a massive push for like over a year to like literally just non-stop like <laughs> leave your house be alone don't interact with other people like just like this confinement 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 so it's like just because the pandemic is like over like that programming social programming hasn't gone away like that's taking a toll on a lot of people uh, you know, especially people who like really believe in all that shit, hook, line, and sinker. Um, yeah, like a lot of them like are still like kind of like it's like it's like that programming that just like doesn't go away instantaneously. Is that true, Jackson? What are your thoughts? Uh, no, I think that there was definitely a push for like a level of social conditioning. I, of course, I mean we were all told to stay in our house. We need to try our best not to you know spread it. So of course we got used to not engaging with people. I know personally it was definitely difficult. Uh, before I moved out to college, I lived in the middle of absolute nowhere when COVID got really bad. So I just wouldn't see anybody, couldn't really do anything. You know, I'm sure that it was really rough for people that live in cities and were even more limited and, you know, had to stay in their apartments 24 seven. I'd like to think that as, you know, more people get vaccinated and we get back into a new normal where people can not worry as much about the virus. Uh, I, I would like to hope that everything's going to get back to normal. We'll kind of break the social conditioning. But as of right now, it definitely seems like we're, you know, we took like two steps back. So yeah, eventually over time, I mean, I think in like 20 years, they're going to laugh at this period of history and they're going to be like, these people were crazy, but uh, (laughs) that takes time. How do you like them apples, Carissa? All right, next (laughs) one. This Actually, I think that's it. Let me just double check, but I've got to say, this has been super interesting. I've I've got so many. Wait, so there is an after show. Do I understand right? There's an after show on Ashley's channel? Yes. Okay, so I'll throw that in the description box as well, but I want to say first, check out Sarah's and Alex's and Jackson's and Carissa's channels. Highly encourage you folks, if you haven't already, including if you're listening at the podcast, this has been so fun. I'm tempted to invite myself to Sarah's after show because there are so many thoughts I had. This is like you the should. most vocal I've been in like uh, ever in all of our debates. Like I usually am super like like let the guests talk as much as possible and me as, as little as possible. But I couldn't even help it because it's so fun to talk about. So I may see if uh, Sarah – I mean not Sarah. 
Ashley. Did I? Yeah, I'm going to say Ashley. Yeah, I'll 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 text you the link. We've already got it set up. Okay, I'll send it right over to you. Because that'd be fun, and uh, I just have so many thoughts that I have to like. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, in the pocket, I have one <laughs> last super chat that says, "Thanks, Jack and Carissa, for taking the impossible side." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, I definitely agree with the other side. Um, I just, you know, we have a few disagreements, but I think they were both super reasonable. I see the merit to all their ideas. I respect mm-hmm. them a lot. Thank you, sir. Very base and red pill. I want to say, appreciate you folks. I'll be back in a moment with a really quick post credit scene letting you know about upcoming debates. But I want to say one last thank you to our guests. They are the lifeblood of the channel. So we really do appreciate them. Thank you, Sarah, Alex, Jackson, and Carissa. It's been a true pleasure to have you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks Thank for you. Having Thank you. Oh, it's a great time. Thanks. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.